That's right, folks. Lost has been over for a very long time. Lost Lives has been over for a very long time. But we are just getting started bringing this sucker back to life. The Lost Lives podcast returns as promised. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler here on Post Show Recaps, host of Lost Lives. First time recording a Lost Lives podcast in over a year now. It has been a while. The last Lost podcast we recorded here on Post Show Recaps was May of 2015 when we were marking the anniversaries of the season one finale and the series finale. That was with Mike Bloom. Those were very fun shows. If you are just finding out what a Lost Lives is for the very first time, it was a series of podcasts we did here on Post Show Recaps back in the summer of 2014 leading up to the 10th anniversary of the series premiere. We did a bunch of special podcasts to kind of honor that big milestone moment. You can go back and listen to all of those podcasts by going to postshowrecaps.com slash lost iTunes. That is where all of the Lost Lives podcasts live. You can also just subscribe there and you will catch all of these Lost Lives podcasts that we have coming your way. I am a huge Lost nerd. If you have listened to any of these Post Show Recaps podcasts and you have heard Lost references, whether you've known it or not, it is just something that I tend to do. Uh, it is my favorite show. I love these characters. I love the music. I love everything about it. I love the story. I even kind of love the ending. I've come to peace with it. It's neither here nor there. But I'm a big fan of the show. I really love talking about it. It's just a matter of finding the time to talk about the show, finding the right reasons to talk about the show. And luckily, we've got a little bit of both of that. Um, The reason that we are bringing Lost Lives back is, well, we're fulfilling a promise, and promises must be kept. Uh, We are very, very fortunate to have such a great listener base that helped Post Show Recaps win the podcast award for best TV and film podcast this year. And as promised, if we were to win one of the two awards that we were nominated for at the podcast awards this year, we would bring some lost lives back for the summer. So promise fulfilled a little late than maybe some people wanted, but it is here. And I think it is here in epic fashion. And in terms of when we are releasing this podcast, hopefully you are hearing it on this very, very special day. Guys, it's eight fifteen sixteen. Those are the numbers, and that is the date uh, of this podcast being recorded and being released. So, what better occasion than eight fifteen sixteen to drop our first new Lost Lives podcast in a very long time? And it won't be our last Lost Lives podcast for a little while. Um, it is the first of a series of Lost Lives podcasts that we are going to do for the next few weeks. Limited run, limited edition of Lost Lives. We are going to bring back a lot of the regular friendly faces, the Mr. Friendly faces that helped us ring in Lost Lives for the first time. So you're going to hear from the likes of Antonio Mazzaro, Mike Bloom, AJ Mass, uh, Joe Garfine, who you are actually going to hear from in this very episode. We are going to talk to her at length about her charity, Cancer Gets Lost, which is having a special auction opening today, 8-15-16. We're going to talk to her at length about that. We're going to have some other people that we have not heard from in the Lost space uh, talking about Lost here 
here on Lost Lives over the next few weeks. So be ready for a few Lost Lives podcasts coming out between now and the end of September. That is going to carry us through for the next few weeks, and I'm really excited to dig back into it. One of the things that I am really, really pumped up about, something we're going to do on every single Lost Lives podcast as we are going through this journey, is we're going to watch a few random episodes. Totally random, completely out of order. One of the things that we said if we had won both podcast awards is we would start a full season one rewatch. We've tried that here before on Post Show Recaps. It hasn't gone super, super well. Um, It's a hard schedule to stick to. We did not win that second podcast award. That's totally okay. I think that what we have in store for these Lost Lives podcasts is going to be even better than just a traditional rewatch, but we will rewatch some episodes of Lost, and it will be completely randomized. We are going to spin the frozen donkey wheel, and we are going to pick specific episodes based on this really weird system that I have come up with that I will explain to you in just a minute, but it wouldn't be any fun if I was watching these episodes of Lost alone. I am going to be bringing in a special guest, somebody who has never weighed in on Lost on the podcast before, but someone who is a big part of my lost life and just my life in general. In fact, it is my wife. It is my wife who is the person that we are going to be talking to. Emily Fox, my constant, is going to be joining me here as we talk about random episodes of Lost. Emily, how are you? I'm fabulous. You are fabulous. You've always been fabulous. Well, that's so nice of you to say, but you have to because you're my husband. I, sh- I, sh- I suppose I should say bonsoir, Emily, since we're recording this currently as we are in France. The podcast never sleeps. The podcast never sleeps. The home of Danielle Rousseau. We are in the French women's territory right now. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Is that, that seems like inappropriate material for this podcast. Everything's inappropriate when we're in France. I took five years of French. I cannot remember a single lick of it other than I forgot how to speak French, which has been sort of charming thus far as I've used it in general, you know, talking back and forth with everybody here. But yeah, I. I what happened last night when we walked into a restaurant and you were so amped up to use your French that you hadn't broken out in a long time? What was the first thing that you said to these people? I said, bonsoir. Uh, je voudrais le dîner pour deux personnes. And they were like dying laughing at me because I basically was like, I would like dinner for two people, please. <laughs> and then they came up to you to take your dinner order and you said something magical that I didn't realize I until said, after the fact. J'ai oublié tout le français. <laughs> And what does that mean? Je suis désolé. I said, I've forgotten all of the French. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you forgot all the French. Have you forgotten all of the Lost? Emily, you and I have not talked about Lost on the air. I feel like you and I haven't talked about Lost specifically in a long time. But you have watched all of Lost pretty much, correct? Oui, but je... <laughs> Je suis désolé. All right, translate this for the people who have no idea. Tout le loss. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot all of the loss. That's not true. I actually remember quite a bit of it, but it is a really awesome throwback that I'm excited to kind of talk to you about because you are clearly the guru in most of these things, and I have the uh, the. Fresh eyes. Uh, yeah, you have the fresh eyes. and You have the fresh eyes. My eyes are disgusting. Yeah, you actually, you, you need to get your eyes checked again. You're, Don't talk about this on I the know, air. but your vision's really bad. Stop it. Guys, if we could convince no. him to go get his eyes checked. Strigoi! <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I have the uh, esteemed pleasure of sharing my household with a man who is essentially human IMDB, so I don't have to think as hard as you do uh, because I can ask you all of those questions <laughs> okay. and you just know all of them. That being said, I do have a general memory of uh, Lost, 
and I'm excited to kind of, you know, talk about that a little bit. All right, so we'll dive back into it. Emily's history with Lost, as far as I can remember. Emily and I uh, started dating about 10 years ago, in fact, a little bit over 10 years ago at this point, uh, right after the season two finale, or right around the season two finale of Lost. I had not yet subjected Emily to my Lost obsession. But I knew about it. I knew that... that You couldn't have not known about it. At that point in time, Lost was a pop culture phenomenon, and if you did not know what a Lost is, then you didn't have an internet connection or anything like that. I knew you well enough to know that, like, what was it, every Thursday night you could come over and watch it, but you couldn't say a word. Not a word. So Josh's um, lived in a two-family apartment, uh, like a house that was, like, split into two families, and all of our friends lived in this one building together, and they would literally all congregate upstairs in the living room, and you were not allowed to say a word. Not a word. If someone had a question, anything, everyone would go, Rah! and you'd have to wait until the commercial break. There was no talking. There was no talking while Lost was on. And if anyone talked during the episode, they would get some gentle warnings, but eventually would probably not be asked back on those nights. Yeah. It took a while before I felt comfortable bringing you to Lost Night because I didn't know if you would take it seriously or not. I, I actually thought it was kind of funny that you guys acted that way and I also didn't want to get in trouble or like reflect poorly on you for coming up over and not taking it seriously so it did take a while I think. Both of us were a little tentative about the situation. I appreciate that. Very thoughtful of you but eventually uh, I could not contain my Lost enthusiasm for too long. One of my favorite things that I used to do when Lost was early in its run and I was still encountering people who had maybe not watched it before, I would show them Lost. I would go and I would watch the whole series as it stood at that point with those people who had not seen it before. I remember you and I really powered through those first two, two and a half seasons. It was a litmus test, I think, for most of your relationships in your adult life. (laughs) I think that's probably true. Like, Can you handle watching Lost with me specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's just so much about it that you're specifically amped up about and like it's such a big part of your life that like i feel as though if someone tried to watch it with you and was like eh, not really into this you'd be like hmm maybe we'll hang out maybe this isn't gonna work yeah exactly so we we'll talk about all of that stuff just because it hasn't been clearly established yet let me establish it clearly now this is lost lives this is a podcast that is meant for people who are super nerds for lost people who are not super nerds for lost but enjoyed lost or maybe you're even hate watchers of lost and therefore potentially hopefully not hate listening to this but maybe listening out of curiosity or also people who don't care about getting spoiled on what happened happened in Lost because that is something we are going to do. We are talking about Lost in full free form. Everything that has ever happened on Lost surrounding Lost is going to be up for grabs here in terms of conversation. So anything that happened in the final season of the show, we can talk about that fully. If you have not watched all of Lost, this is not a pure rewatch for newbies. This is for people who have been through this journey and before. Honestly, that's on you if you don't know any of like the, the way things are. I'm just, you know, I listen, everyone knows. I like to be very careful with the spoiler no, warning. I think, I think it's helpful to say that, but like, come on. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> but I'm just trying to just trying to put it out there. All right. So let's get some baseline thoughts on Lost from you, Emily, before we start getting into our choose your adventure of the week. Um, I'm going to ask you who your favorite character on Lost is. I already know the answer, but why don't you share who that character is and why that character is your favorite? Desmond. And why? He is a... Dreamy. Real dreamy. Such a hunk. 
Also, I love his story and his character. Um, I think there's a lot that you cannot hate about him, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. No, he is probably, other than Hurley, I would say, is probably right. the most universally adored character on the show. Yeah, I, I think um, everything about his character is very strong. He's a very loving guy, very compassionate. Um Seems like a good guy in pretty much every scenario that he's put into, especially given his love affair with Penny and and how just brutal her father is and everything like that. He really comes out on top as just a class act. So I've always thought that he's just a really interesting character, really, really lovable in a lot of ways. True or false, you and I have discussed the possibility of if a baby wiggler is to exist at some point in the future and is a boy that Desmond David Wiggler might be a consideration for the name. True or false? That's true. That's true. true. Unfortunately, I believe that uh, a Big Brother contestant just named their son Desmond this summer. So I feel like now it feels like we're copying. But I think people also know that I don't really know what a Big Brother is. Yeah, that's like a very obscure like line to draw. I'm just putting for it me, out there. For me, at least. For Emily, yeah. at least. So if it happens in the future, you heard no it here first. No offense to people who watch Big Brother. No, none take. No, 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 no. I just feel like that's like a really random... Uh, person to compare yourself to i definitely am not comparing myself to anyone from big brother okay so desmond is your favorite character possibly the future name of our son uh who is your second favorite character from lost <laughs> spoiler we're not pregnant by the way we're not pregnant no 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 i mean that is not a thing that is imminent in any way just putting it out there planting the flag as antonio mazaro likes to say who is your second favorite character in lost Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I really like Saeed a lot. Ooh, that's great. I'm a big Saeed fan. Yeah, I love that. Talk to me more about that. Why do you like Saeed so much? It's the fingernails, right? Because he's really into picking guitar finger picking. No, 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 no. I don't like that. Um, but he's a real badass. He's just been. He's had a really tough life, and he's made the most of it. And he's had to make crazy sacrifices. And he also has a sensitive and soft side as well. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm going for the like all these guys who have like you know, had these amazing love affairs and, like, just are very romantic but also have an edge to them, so. All right, so those are the top two characters on the board. Let's go with the bottom two characters on the board. Do you have off the top of your head who is, oh, she's nodding, who your least favorite character in Lost History is? I feel like I know the answer. I will may, I will emit a yelp if I get the answer correct. Everyone's going to hate me for saying these, t- like, the bottom two. Okay, well, let's hear it. Let's I find out. I don't want to tell you guys. <laughs> no, you have to do it. You're on the spot. Me. No one's going to be mad at you. Everyone has their opinions. It's okay. All right. I really don't like Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and I know why you don't like Kate, too. It's just... It's the hair. It's completely unrealistic that she would be trampsing through the freaking forest and the, and the jungle all of the time with her hair and curly little ringlets. Like, I'm sorry. If you're stranded anywhere, your hair is up out of your face okay so maybe you wash it maybe you let it air dry now and again maybe you just want to feel a little bit more feminine at times but this is a chick that is like ride or die like going through the woods chopping stuff down figuring out pr- puzzles and problems and her hair is just like curly and in the wind uh uh-uh. not happening especially with curly hair especially with curly hair. So if it wasn't... No, you, pull that, you pull that back. I'm sorry. If it wasn't for the hair, would you be fine with Kate? Is it purely a hair problem? Mostly a hair problem, but also I just think she gets herself into way too much trouble, and she's smarter than that. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I've long, if you go back and listen to the Lost Lives archives, you will know that I am a Kate defender. I love Kate. I think Kate is great. I think Evangeline Lilly is fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she's a fantastic actress, so this is no, not a dig against her at all. Exactly, and I think that I would, I would agree in the sense that I think that Kate tends to be one of the most poorly written characters mm-hmm. on the show. I I think in season five, she has a great season five. That's probably too deep cut for you right now, Emily. But I think that her, I think her season five story where she is Aaron's mother and everything like that, and that's her reason for going back to the island uh, to find Claire. I love that. Her, I think it's whatever happened, happened is the episode where she has this really great emotional motel scene moment where she's saying goodbye to Aaron, and that's just top-notch acting from Evangeline Lilly. And I think that they finally wrote the character right that season, but I think that they've had a lot of times where they've just really whiffed on that stuff. All right, who is your second least favorite character? Uh, <laughs> it's a, just a groan is the name of your least favorite character, second least favorite character? I really don't like Jack either. I don't think that anyone is going to be too up in arms. I think there's a few people who love Jack, but I don't think that anyone's going to crucify you for this. From one fox to another, I'm sorry, Matthew, but like, oh, woof. All right, talk to me about why you are not a huge Jack fan. Because he's a dick. <laughs> He's just a dick. <laughs> you know? That's it? Just no explanation? It's just like so self-evident that you don't need to elaborate? Well, he I mean, he's skeptical and kind of a pain in the butt to deal with in a lot of situations. And I get that. Listen, you're in like a supernatural world that doesn't quite make sense. You don't know why you're there. You don't know what your purpose is. So I get like not trusting everybody and kind of like going off on your own and figuring stuff out. But there are so many scenarios where he could have been nicer to people and just been a more like can-do, all-around team player. And he's not. No. I mean, he's the doctor. He is the doctor, he is the person who is in charge of everybody's well-being, and yet he is the guy that is constantly marching off to, into the jungle, yeah, putting yeah. himself at risk, putting the only real doctor on the island at risk. Well, it's not even so much as that. It's just like, oh, I have to do this myself. It's all about me. You also don't like, and you've, you've long talked about this privately, but you've never had the chance to talk about this publicly, is that you've always had a problem with how Lost seeming, to you at least, you felt like with Jack the writers plagiarized the story about how I got my tattoos when they explained how he got his. Correct? Because I also went to Thailand and got tattooed by Bai Ling, and it was very dramatic, and I walk among you, but I'm not one of you. I mean, the unique thing is at least your tramp stamp is a little bit more... uh, Yikes! A little bit nicer. I didn't think that we were going to talk about that on there. Okay, so some baseline lost thoughts <laughs> we're from... We're not done with this. We're not done with this. We're going to reveal a new tattoo of Josh's every week. All right, yes, that's going to be part of this. That's going to be the Easter eggs for you here as you're listening to this. So those are some baseline thoughts from Emily Fox about how she feels about Lost. You have so many more, and we're going to have plenty of opportunities to talk about all of that stuff. This is what we're going to do here. Emily is going to be my constant here as we are marching through Lost Lives, Redux, Reborn, Rebooted, however you want to say it. This limited run of Lost Lives that's going to go for the next few weeks. We are going to watch a random episode of Lost every single week, and here is how we are going to do it. Are you ready, Emily? Are you ready to figure out how we are going to watch a random episode of Lost? I am ready. We. We. All right. Uh, are you are you nervous at all that you are going to land on an episode of Lost that you do not know or do not want to watch? Slightly, but most of these episodes are pretty good, so I'm not worried about it. Most of these episodes are fantastic. Here's how we're going to do it. This is a really fun thing that I discovered recently is a website called Episode Generator 
com. It is a website that lists a ton of different shows, very uh, diverse shows, you know, all the way from 24 through Justified, through Louie, through Martin. Martin is on the list here. Ooh, Murder, She Wrote is too. Murder, She Wrote is on this website as well. And you basically, you click on your favorite show and you can generate a random episode. Uh, you just click the button and a new episode pops up. And it's basically, I think, to get people, if you were in the mood for, oh, I want to watch an episode of Lost, but I don't know which episode I want to watch, go to episodegenerator.com. Flesh of the stars. <laughs> you click on the button and it just, you know, like the button, you, you know, you always want to push execute on the button. You click the button. It doesn't have to be every 108 minutes. And you get a new episode that you can watch right there. I swear that we are not affiliated with episodes generator.com even though this sounds like a commercial for them i've literally never seen this before i actually really want to use it on a regular basis all right well we're going to use it on an at least weekly basis or every time we have one of these podcasts out here is what we're going to do we are going to go to the lost section of the episode generator and we are going to do this by the numbers emily 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42 are the numbers. We are going to generate a random episode of Lost and Pause at 4. If you like the episode that we have landed on at 4, we can watch that episode. If you don't and you decide you want to keep going, we will pause at 8 and so on to 15. And we'll stop at 16 because if we go any further than that, we are talking way too long about picking an episode of Lost. So we will do this. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Is that terrifying to you? No. Okay, so we're going to do this. So we are clicking on the lost section of EpisodeGenerator.com. And the first episode that comes up, oh, this would have been a good one. Season 3, Episode 20, The Man Behind the Curtain. This is the episode where uh, where Ben's backstory is revealed for the first time. We go to Jacob's cabin for the first time. Ben shoots Locke, leaves him in a ditch. Great episode. We are not going to be talking about it this week. All right. Generate next episode. This is episode two. We will not be talking about this as well. We Oh, Recon. Recon is whatever. Recon is the season six episode. It's Sawyer's Flash Sideways. It's fine. It's fine. It's the Sawyer and Miles are cops episode, so that's kind of cool. But I hope that we're not talking season six this week. I'm not ready for season six. Yeah, no, you got to build up to that. How do you feel about the sixth season of Lost, the final season of Lost? Um, not your favorite? Not your favorite. Okay. Those... I'm not formulating words. <laughs> that that will explain everything. All right. Episode three, which we will also not be talking about, is Catch-22. Oh, a Desmond episode. This would, this would have been nice. This is Desmond in season three. This is when he goes off into the jungle, hopefully finding Penny. He thinks that Penny has landed on the island. He sees Charlie dying a few more times. Charlie gets shot in the throat with an arrow in his visions. He does not die there, obviously. That's a great underrated Desmond episode. We will not be talking about Catch-22. Like the actor who played Charlie. I forget his name. What's his name? Dominic Monaghan. It was like, hey, I know you guys want to off me, but why do we have to keep doing all of these death scenes in a flashback? <laughs> well, that was really the only, like, massively gruesome gruesome one. Right, I... But, like, <laughs> do you think he was just, like, I, I know, like, maybe I took too much from, like, the catering truck one day, but, like, really? Well, no stories about his driving abilities on the island, which is usually how you would get uh, kicked off of the show. I don't know. He was probably, I don't know. I feel oh, like. Drunk driving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I would be pretty psyched if I got to be Charlie in those episodes. At least, like, they are really building a season around your demise so they're yeah. giving you a lot to do all right 
We are about to generate episode four, and so we can... You've been clicking four times. I haven't clicked the fourth time no, yet. No, no, but like, that's what your, your rationale is. That's my rationale. So we are, we are about to click for the fourth time. This is the first episode that we will land on that you would be able to say, yes, let's watch that one. If you say no to this, then we keep clicking until we get to episode eight. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, drum roll, please. What is the fourth episode? Generate next episode. It is... Ooh, season six, episode nine, a favorite of many peoples. This is Ab Eterno, the Richard Alpert flashback episode that a lot of people say is the greatest episode of season six of the final season. I think that there is definitely an argument to that. Some people even think it is a top 10, top 20 episode of Lost. This is a really exciting episode of Lost. Emily, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. But you did make a scrunched face when you first looked at Ab Eterno. I just thought we'd do something a little earlier first. Ooh. All right. Well, you can say no. I mean, it's early. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I don't want to do it's fine. I want to do an episode that you really want to watch. Then again, it is a gamble. We are on a really solid episode of Lost. Truth. Fun fact. My mom's ex-husband's name is Richard Alpert, and that's pretty funny. And is that part of the reason why you are not a big fan of Richard Alpert? That might be why, although he is so dreamy, those eyes. He is very dreamy. What was the show he was in before? Uh, He was on The Tick. No, no, no. It was Suddenly, Suddenly Susan. Susan. Suddenly right. Susan, but he was also on The Tick. He was Batmanuel. Oh, okay. I think we should do Abiturno. I think that this is yeah, a good let's one. Let's do it. No, I'm not, like, not psyched about it. It's, a, it's an episode that is rich with backstory, with Lost Island history. With it, blue eyes. With <laughs> deep, piercing blue eyes. With amazing eyelashes. So is there's there a running theme for me? I'm like, wow, that guy's really hot. He's one of my favorite characters. That yeah. guy's really romantic. I enjoy that character. Hey, listen, people like Lost for their own reasons, you know? Everyone has their reason for watching Lost. We didn't even talk about Sawyer, because I always thought he was kind of hot in, like, a weird, like, dirty way. I don't think there's anything weird about thinking that Sawyer is hot. I don't think we're going to be talking much about Sawyer this week. I don't believe he's in... We didn't get into Locke either. That head. Oh, I love Locke. Polish his head. Yes, I do. Don't put me on the spot like this. I am blushing. I'm glad this is not a video podcast. All right, so we will be talking about Abby Turno. I think that this is a good one to talk about. Lots of island backstory. It is sort of in its own way a standalone story. Lots of mysteries of the island get revealed. And I think it's fun that you and I will start with a late game episode of Lost uh, to see how much you remember and how much this establishes things for you. So we will talk about Abby Turno in a little bit. We are going to pause down now to watch the episode and record our commentary on the episode. But before we come back with our commentary, let's go to another segment here on Lost Lives. We are going to hear from a different guest every single week. Oftentimes, as I said earlier, it's going to be people who were part of the original Lost Lives run. And we are going to start today with my good friend, Joe Garfine, with this interview that I recorded with her about her charity, Cancer Gets Lost. And so who better to ring in 815-16 with me here on the first Lost Lives of 2016 and the first Lost Lives in a very long time than my good friend who has appeared on Lost Lives 
so many times, multiple times, uh, has was was one of the founding podcast hosts of Lost Lives. Somebody I haven't talked to on the air in way too long, especially here on Post Show Recaps. I don't think we've talked since the 100 podcast that we did here previewing season three. So that was several moons ago. Very pleased to welcome in Joe Garfine here to talk about 815.16. Joe, what is going on, my friend? So much is going on. There are 108 things going on, actually. <laughs> actually, more like 815 of them. Yeah. Um, boy, it is, it's been a while since we chatted. We are long overdue, my friend. Long overdue for sure. Joe, one of my favorite, favorite people, not just in the Lost community, but in the world. Very excited to talk to you, Joe. And yeah, in your neck of the woods especially, got to be at least 815 things going on. Well, to be specific, the Cancer Gets Lost charity auction, which opens today, 8-15-16, a date we have been dreaming about since we started CGL in 2010, features almost 500 items. We couldn't narrow it down to a lost number, but no one's going to care when they see what we have to offer. Um, it's taken two years, we take two years specifically in between our charity auctions to acquire, accumulate, and autograph. And so we are thrilled at the uh, crazy growth of Cancer Gets Lost, you know, a few years ago to dive right in. Uh, we had an auction, a couple hundred items, mostly lost, and some things from bad robot shows, and some stuff was signed. Um, <laughs> we have grown tremendously, and we've raised a couple hundred thousand dollars over the years, and we hope to raise, um, you know, a lot of money this year for Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation for Childhood Cancer. And so we're able to donate 100% of the net proceeds from this auction of over 450 items, um, 75% of which are signed. Um, of the 450 items, 150 are lost specific, which is why I'm here talking to you today. Wow, that's crazy. All right, so let's set this up for people who might not know what Cancer Gets Lost is. And those people probably didn't hear us on Lost Lives once upon a time because we've certainly talked about it before. But just to give some background for people who are maybe just tuning in to our Lost coverage here on Post Show Recaps, it has been a while. What is Cancer Gets Lost? Lost. And who are you, Joe? Who, who, who is this mad woman I'm talking to right now? <laughs> so Cancer Gets Lost is a grassroots charity that literally started in the living rooms of myself and Jared Wong. We met through the Lost community and fandoms. We met online. And then we actually met in person at the official Lost auction in Los Angeles in 2010, where we sat in the cold warehouse for two days with other dedicated Lost fans and watched as you know, official items from the show were auctioned off. Um, and that's when sort of a light bulb went off. Jared knew that a dear friend of mine had brain cancer and he said, you know, we're minor collectors. We are, we have a lot of friends in the fan community. You know, I know you're looking for a way to raise money for your friend who has uh, cancer. We should do something like this, but then donate the proceeds to charity. And, you know, that brainstorm birth cancer gets lost Two years later, we had our first auction live webcast with Jorge and Jeff Jensen from EW and a couple of the writers and other actors, and it has just grown from there. Um, you know, we we have one-off events in between the online auctions. Uh, it lost 2014 in Hawaii. We hosted an on-site auction, raised $12,000 in an hour for the American Cancer Society. So we are expanding our horizons. Um, you know, our bread and butter is the online auction, uh, which we do every two years. But um, 
I'm the executive director and co-founder. Jared is the co-founder, and he actually works for Walker Stalker Con, which is terrific because he is responsible for the acquisition of all Walking Dead autographs, as well as from the DC Comics television family. We get Gotham, we get Arrow, we get The Flash. And so we have a really nice balance of what it's basically a two-person operation. And um, I, I take on most of it, including all the marketing. And it's just, it's something that we do. We both have jobs. And this is what we do in our spare time. But yeah, just to be clear, this isn't your job. This is not your <laughs> occupation. This is not what you are doing all day, every day to earn a living. This is passion. It is passion. Um, I can't. I get emotional talking about it because I cannot imagine um, doing anything more rewarding or important. And I feel like I can, so I should, and I do. And it's sort of a newly adopted motto because, you know. Every single person out there is is affected by cancer, whether you have been in the past or you will be in the future, and it's a sad fact. And so Cancer Gets Lost is named as such because although we started in the lost community, we want all types of cancer to get lost. You know, um, today is the anniversary of the passing of my friend Jackie, and this is she used the inspiration for starting CGL, and so it's full circle, and you know, you, you find your inspiration, and sometimes it illuminates a path you never knew you were going to walk down. Um, it's important to point out that Cancer Gasos is entirely supported by friends, fans, family, everyone out there. Um, not only can you actually contribute to Cancer Gets Lost, because we've applied for 501c3, we have a fiscal sponsor, from a, a terrific philanthropy organization called FJC that allows us to operate as a 501c3 until we get government status. Sorry, I'm delving into the details here, but like it's because of everyone out there listening and everyone on the internet that Cancer Gets Lost exists. The actors, producers, writers who donate their time, items, and autographs. The fans who reach out to me when they're at a con and saying, I'm in line. Do you want me to get this person's autograph photo or poster for your next auction? Yes, that's terrific. Thank you so much. And so it has grown from us buying items to almost everything entirely being donated. And it's just, it's, it's sort of astonishing, um, the growth of Cancer Gets Lost. And I could not be more proud and happy to offer what we are offering starting today through September 3rd, three weeks for you guys to peruse the items that we've been working on for three years. It is a labor of love and there's something for everyone, there's 50 television shows and over 17 films represented in here. And so it's not just for Lost fans. But Lost fans are going to be especially excited. Uh, you're going to be psyched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I'm here today is to talk about the Lost items in this auction. Yeah, of which there are very, very many. Very excited to dig into that stuff. Let's talk about 8, 15, 16, this particular auction. Um, you know, you've, you've done very big auctions before. I know that you've done smaller auctions as well. Can you talk about the groundwork that was laid for the 8, 15, 16 auction when you knew you were going to do it, when you knew that you wanted to build an event around this date and the work that's gone into building this specific auction? Well, when we started CGL 2010, we joked about the perfect lost date being, you know, 4, 8, 15, 16, 20, 42. Well, the only real opportunity for us in the near future to do that would have been 8, 15, 16 in a row. Ding, ding, ding. And so we sort of inadvertently started our every two-year process by having an auction in the summer or fall, knowing it would land on 8, 15, 16. And, you know, of course, lost nerds are going to appreciate the date. Um, it's also been fun to tell... I work a lot with the lost actors and cast and crew. And when I tell them the date, they giggle. And, you know, you could go on, on CGL's website and check out Jorge Garcia did this terrific promo video for us where he couldn't say 4815. 
1623. I mean, he couldn't say it. He couldn't say the date. He had to say all of the numbers. I watched this. This was incredible. <laughs> He's terrific. I mean, that the lost family, everyone worked behind and in front of the camera, no matter where they are now in film and TV, they're still incredibly generous. I, I, well, I'm going to start off big with you, Josh. I, I recently met Roland Sanchez, the costume designer from Lost. I met him at WonderCon. He was on a panel about costuming. He's working on the Stephen King, J.J. Abrams, um, Stephen, I'm sorry, 1163 miniseries for Hulu. Yeah. Introduced myself. He's like, oh my gosh, he knew who I was. Please tell me that he gave you a fake beard and theater glue. Even better, he said, hey, I have Jack's We Have to Go Back jacket. Would you like it? Wow. And you say, nah, we're good. You know, we've I, I, I got enough. Shed a tear. I might have shed a tear and said, I totally kept my calm. And I said, that would be an amazing item. One of our feature items in this year's auction. Long story short, a month later, I go to his house and pick it up. It is the denim. It is the denim jacket that Beardy Jack wore when he was crying to Kate. We have to go back. I mean, again, this is a jacket that was, oh, it's over 10 years old. And it's just like everyone else's stuff in their closet and their props are our treasure. And so it's just, I, it, stories like that are amazing. I, I get to work with Damon and Carlton where every year or two I make an appointment, I go to their office, I bring bins and suitcases full of items and they sign everything at once and they laugh and we catch up and then they go back to their shows. I mean, Damon was about to leave for Australia for the leftovers. I had an hour with him. He signed all this stuff and he laughs. He doesn't even know where I get it. And I have to tell him the stories. Carlton was there. Well, Greg Nations, who was the script supervisor and then became a writer on Lost, now works with Carlton on Colony. He was there. So I had him sign items. It was just coincidental. That's how things work with Lost. Uh, I want to get into some of the specific items that are up for auction. But first, since you brought them up, you brought up Lindelof and Cuse. I've gotten the chance to interview Carlton Cuse a couple of times for Colony uh, this past year. And that was one of the real treats of this past year because he's very affable. He's very fun to talk to. But I'd love to get your insight because you know them more on a personal level, certainly than I do, and probably more than many people who are listening to this. Can you shed some insight into to what it's like to be in a room with Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, starting with Lindelof, maybe? I mean, Damon specifically, he, I think his nostalgia factor is higher than Carlton, only because Carlton's office is more professional um, and has more items from his current shows. Damon's He office, does have the, uh, the hatch, I believe, right? He does. Yeah. Damon's office is a treasure trove, not only of actual lost props like the crushed Desmond computer, um, he has, you know, the, the styrofoam hatch coffee table. He also has, because he's such an awesome nerd, Star Wars memorabilia everywhere and stuff from The Walking Dead and other, and he has a Heisenberg pillow on his couch. And so, you know, as, as a fellow uh, geek myself, it's just a treat to sit in an office and look around while he's signing items. But um, he's so busy. He and Carlton obviously have multiple shows. And so it's just really great great that they make time for cancer gets lost still um damon uh, you know for instance uh, paul McHugh, who's a really good friend of cancer gets lost lives in scotland travels the world to these cons when he's not working bought a pair of dharma custom dharma nikes on ebay two years ago he's carried those shoes around the world to get signed for us and then jared took it and got him signed by some people from walker soccer con that from lost and then i, I brought him to damon and carlton and they're like what what am I looking at? How on earth do you have Dharma shoes? So they like to hear the stories as well. They're very amused. Um, some of the items they've never even seen themselves. And so it's terrific. And th- when you go to Carlton's office now, 
there's some amazing artwork that the fans haven't seen from Colony that's up on the walls. Um, you know, Bates Motel. He's a busy dude. Yes. And so I, I just, I absorb it all. And they, I specifically, you guys would be happy to know, if there is a whiteboard, I do not look because it doesn't matter what show it is. Not only do I respect them, I don't want to be spoiled for my shows that I watch. So... They don't hide anything when I go in. I just look away. Yeah, I know this. I mean, listen, so many people, nobody really wants to get spoiled on anything. But I think that there would be plenty of people who would be very tempted to take a look. I know you, Joe. I know you <laughs> very. I remember the first time meeting you that um, it was, I think it was, it was one, it was on the Fringe set. You know, we, we were both journalists on the set of Fringe. And I think the final season of Lost was airing. That's when we met. And I remember mentioning that, oh my god, I can't wait, a Richard Alpert episode that's coming up next week or two weeks from now, and you're like, oh, that sounds cool. By the way, I don't look, I, I'm t- totally spoiler-free. <laughs> I don't know whose episodes are coming up. I don't know anything like that. I don't watch previews, so just let's get that out of the out of the way. And I felt so bad that I had ruined that there was a Richard Alpert episode coming up. So I know you take that very, very seriously. I do, but uh, that was... Uh, hilarious but as a side note later that night i ran into titus welliver in the bar of the hotel we were staying at and he spoiled across the sea for me so there you go <laughs> maybe that's why across the sea is one of your bottom three episodes of all time oh man it's well all that's a whole another podcast for another time <laughs> yeah we could get into that someday for <laughs> sure all right so let's get into the auction specifically okay uh, i know that you had a few items that you wanted to highlight here some items from lost that have some very cool backstory you all already talked about jacks we have to go back jacket first of all just to stay on that for a second that's incredible that's amazing what is it so have you physically held it i held it i didn't try it on because i'll be honest it doesn't look like it would fit me it's a little slimmer than i thought it would be i think the jack guy wasn't eating much when he was on his uh his uh flash forward sure it was all beard man it was all beard it's all beard weight but i i definitely i might have hugged it and then put it in the archive it was like okay all right. You know, I don't get a lot of actual screen use props that are costumes from Lost. Um, that's a good segue into um, <laughs> John Bernstein, who works for ABC, donated a screen use Mr. Cluck's chicken sign that is made of styrofoam, foam core, and then Jorge sign. So it's super cool to get props like that, which will look really cool in someone's office, you know? So it's a Mr. So it's a Mr. Cluck sign. Yes, that they used in the on, on camera during one of the promos. Does it smell like Mr. Cluck's would smell in reality? Sadly, there is no scratch and sniff. So there's no you're, there's no like perfuming of fried chicken that you put on it before you send it out to somebody. Sadly, that is true. Okay. <laughs> and about how big is the Mr. Cluck sign? Oh gosh, it's like uh, this is probably a twenty-four by eighteen. It's not that large. Okay, and what which episodes was it featured in? Do you know? I do not know. I want to say it was in one of the flashback episodes where he was working, so but this, I, I will confirm. So this is real Mr. Clucks as opposed to sideways Mr. Clucks. This is, I believe so. Okay, so this is main universe Mr. Clucks. <laughs> very, very, very cool. I would love to have a Mr. Clucks anything. I would really love to have like a Mr. Clucks t-shirt. Did they make those? They don't, but speaking of that, this is great. You're totally helping me. Uh, <laughs> there, we have a, remember my, I Heart My Shitsu, the yellow t shirt in season six that Jorge bought, that Jorge, that Hurley bought at the grocery store oh, when he, after, he, after they tranquilized Charlie and threw him in the trunk with Said? Yes, yes, I'm vaguely, vaguely remembering that. It's like this very, very comically large shirt. 
Uh, we have a copy of that comically large I Heart My Shih Tzu t-shirt signed by Jorge Garcia. Oh, it's, my God. <laughs> it's stuff like that that makes me laugh that I love so much. And as a joke, I bought a t-shirt to give to Elizabeth Mitchell that says, I'm the bomb. And it has a picture of Juliet on it. Like, obviously riffing on her death. Well, she signed it, so I put it in the auction. It's like, and she wrote, thank you. Elizabeth Mitchell. And are you sure that she was not, you know, just a little bit traumatized that you had to bring up her death in such a jovial way? I think because she knows how I feel about Juliet, um, she probably tapped me on the back and was like, oh. And then she wrote, thank you. I mean, she's the nicest human being in the world. And so I think it's hilarious that, of course, she would write thank you on her death shirt. Um, but, of course, I had to put it in the auction. I mean, sometimes I collect things, and if someone does something special like that, I'm like, I don't need to keep it. I'd rather have someone else have it. So we have uh, articles of clothing like that, but we also have um, – a skateboard deck. Do you remember years ago there was the Lost ARG poster, um, the alternate reality game, to search for the rare posters that yes. they put out? Yes, I we, believe uh, I have. That's That was right before the final season, right? Yes. Yeah, I have four of those posters hanging on my wall right now. Me too. Yes, I have. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I have uh, the, the John Locke movie poster. Yep. I have the plane crash of uh, 815 with Jack and Kate in the foreground and a bunch of different characters in there as well. Uh, there is a poster of Ben's house from New Otherton from the yep. barracks. I have that. And I also have Mr. Friendly's face as the raft has exploded holding Walt in the palm of his hand. That's my Ooh. favorite one. You have some rare ones. We do have the Dharmaville poster in our auction signed by Damon Carlton, as, as well as the Dharma van and a couple others. Um, but as part of the ARG, the alternate reality game, that, that the official lost game, there were two lucky winners who found skateboard decks, custom lost skateboard decks. It's super cool. It has a skateboard in the middle of the Dharma logo. Well, Bad Robot donated one to Cancer Gets Lost. So I think there are only three in existence, and we have two. And so one will be in this auction. That's awesome. And that wasn't anything that was used on the show. No, no. But it's like a cool one-off, you know, from the ARG, which I, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. I really wanted to go to, what it was Gallery 1998. Is that is that what they're called? 1988, yes. 1988, yeah. Well, they had had this great uh, Lost Gallery, I think, right around the final season, right? I mean, they had action figures there and all of the artwork from the poster hunt, but plenty of other art pieces, too. I was dying to go, uh, obviously, out in L.A., so a little bit of a schlep from here in New York. But I would would kill to go to a Lost uh, art exhibition. I think that that would be really fun to attend. Were you at that? Did you did you happen to see that? I was not there, but of course Paul was there from Scotland and he, he bought a few things and I bought a few things through him as my proxy. And, um, we have like a, a canvas print. I believe it's the original. Uh, it looks like a digital video game version of Charlie and not Penny's boat through the, through the window. It's pretty cool. It's like a, a pixelization canvas. That's really great. That's yeah. awesome. And, uh, I have a fan friend, uh, in London, Martin, and he custom made McCutcheon whiskey labels. So I bought a nice bottle of whiskey and then we applied the labels and that bottle of McCutcheon will be in the auction. Not to tease too far into the future of what we have planned for further Lost Lives coverage, but I will say that I have been discussing a McCutcheon deep dive podcast with Antonio Mazzaro. <laughs> so we, I'm in. We, we, may, we may have something like that coming up in fairly short order. Look out for that in the next few weeks. I love it. That's a good plug. I totally will listen to that. If I'm not involved with it, I will listen to it, my friend. I think it will be fun. I think it will be fun. <laughs> All right. So moving on from McCutcheon whiskey labels, what else do we have here? 
Well, speaking of alcohol, um, you know, there's a winery. I live in Northern California. Please tell me that you have authentic Dharma beer. I do not. I have I have really cool Dharma beer and Dharma wine prints signed by Damon and Carlton. Does that count? That counts. That's okay, great. <laughs> and uh, I will I will just drink beer out of my Dharma beer uh, glass that I have. I mean, that seems accurate and fair. That's very. You could channel your Sawyer. You could put on. Do you have a Dharma jumpsuit? I do not. I could. I could use one. I could. <laughs> well, I think you should come to Lost 2017 next year and buy one. That's Ooh, awesome. that's a good plug as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I for my birthday a few years ago, my wife bought me six glasses, uh, six Dharma glasses that had different Dharma logos on them, and only one remains. All five others have passed away. Uh, they were a little fragile. But I really value the last one that I have left. I believe it's the Orchid Station is the the last remaining lost glass that I have. It's a thought that counts. Well, Well, you know what? It's the Tempest, unfortunately. uh, Ooh, the fight. I like that. I like the Tempest. I know Uh, you like the Tempest. (laughs) Someone has to. Like Charlotte and Juliet had a girl fight there. So what more do you need? That's right. Hello. (laughs) All right. So so back to business. So back to business. Uh, Thanks. There's a winery in Northern California up here called Joel Gott, and they happen to make a wine called 815. Now, 815 is August 15th is their daughter's date, birth date, but of course, it's 815, so I bought a case of 815 at one point and kept it around, and then I'm like, oh, I should get it signed. So uh, in this auction, we have a bottle of 815 wine signed by Damon and Carlton and Jorge Garcia, which is just a cool collector's item. That's really cool. Do you know what would have been even cooler? What? Is if you had sent the entire crate to Henry Ian Cusick to drink, and then we got the empty bottles that had been consumed by Desmond. You know, there's always 2018. Just an idea for the future, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually just saw Henry uh, at, I'm sorry, Ian is what he goes by, at Comic-Con and had a discussion with him about Cancer Gets Lost So and Desmond. And you'd be very proud of me. Not once did I say anything in a horrible Scottish accent. I am very, very proud of you. It would be very hard for me to hold back. <laughs> Speaking of, this is a good segue. So, uh, I recently got in touch with Sonia Walger, and I've never actually met her, but I, through Twitter, uh, you know, was able to connect with her. And we not only have the constant script that Henry and Cusick has signed and other cast, but lovely Karen Morrow, who's a Lost fan, who's been around since the beginning of the show, just terrific uh, friend out of Florida, custom made a the letter that Penny wrote Desmond. She custom made that letter with a silhouette of the two characters and framed it. And so... We had Sonia Walger sign that. Oh, that's Her, cool. It's super cool. Like, just stuff like that. We love fan art and, um, you know, custom artifacts made by fans in addition to professionals. So it just, it's nice to be able to include people who've been a part of the community in the auction. Yeah, that's really cool. The constant script, is that, um, whose copy is that? Is it just a copy of the script? Yeah, it's just a copy of the script. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, but it's signed by six six people, including Damon and Carlton and Sonia and Ian. Yeah, I mean, that being the episode of Lost that I think it's certainly talked about as one of the three best episodes of the show, I think pretty universally and many, many Many people would say it is the best episode of the show. So that's pretty awesome. You know, personally, I love flashes before your eyes. I know you do. But I know I'm a party of one. We don't have that script. So that's neither here nor there. I don't think you're a party of one. (laughs) I I think that there's more than one of you who prefers flashes over the constant. I've argued it myself. I've wondered aloud which one is the better episode. I think that the ultimate takeaway is that they're both pretty great. Okay, that's true and fair. And we again, we could talk about that for another podcast for hours. Yes. And we have. (laughs) Certainly have. Absolutely. 
Um, it, it, veering into the book category, interestingly enough, so again, Paul, our savior, uh, has a copy of the Charles Dickens, Our Mutual Friend Ooh, book. yes. He had Henry Ian Cusick sign it. Oh my God, did Henry Ian Cusick read any of it? Because he's not supposed to do that until he's ready to leave this planet. I wasn't there, but I imagine that Ian just signed it and shut it and handed it back. Very good. Otherwise, I would start to get very nervous. <laughs> but it's just like, I love the, uh, Paul's very clever too. He thought, what's a unique thing if I'm going to see Henry and Cusick that I can get signed that isn't a poster? And, you know, I'm going to get a Dharma shoe and a, and a book that's significant from the show. I love stuff like that. People really think outside the box for us when they're providing and donating items. So it's, it's just great. Yeah, um, that's really cool. That's great. I love that. Uh, and Damon, bless Damon, last year, I get a message. Do you have a truck? And my response when Damon Lindelof asks if you have a truck is, yes, I'll get a truck. Uh, See, I think that the, the correct response there would would be no on the off chance that he is offering you a Dharma van. <laughs> Shoot. I'm, next, I'm noting that for next Again, time. for future reference. It was one of those, hey, I'm moving offices. You know, I'm on the leftovers. I'm moving offices. We have a storage room full of items I'd like to give you. And he didn't specify. And I was like, I will be there next week. So we picked a date. And I, I brought a truck down and, you know, a little mini U-Haul. And I had no idea. Not only did Damon donate giant wall panel size foam core photos of the cast from different seasons, he donated Season six cast and crew exclusive yearbooks. Oh, wow. That then I have now for this auction got one signed by seven cast and crew, including Eddie and Adam and, um, you know, Greg Nations and Damon and Carlton and Jorge. And I can't even remember who he donated a stack of DVDs of movies he's written. So World War Z and Star Trek Into Darkness. I mean, and then he said, oh, while you're here, here is a I'm going to give you a stack of Complete series box set lost DVDs and Blu-rays. Oh, and I opened all of them and signed them for you. Wow. I mean, this guy, he's talk about generosity. It starts from the top and it goes to every single category. It, it, it is unbelievable. This show started in 2004 and ended in 2010. And here we are in 2016. And the co-showrunner has opened his, literally opened his door backed it into the truck and said, here you go. I don't want anything returned. Thank you so much. That's amazing. And what I love about that too is like no one has taken more grief over <laughs> Lost than Damon Lindelof. I mean, that's yes. just, that is a man who got chased off the internet because of how Lost ended and because people would not let it go for years and years and years. Uh, and for him to still have that much fondness for the show, I, I think that it's also probably a testament to the fact that the people who stayed fans and stayed loyal, whether they loved the ending or not, but still loved the show and know that this, you know, this show really mattered to them, that I, I feel like there's a level of awareness on his part that this is still, even though the show is, you know, several years removed from being on the air these days, it's still something that just resonates with people. Um, and I think, you know, you talked about the responsibility that you feel that you have running Cancer Gets Lost and that you feel like you have to do it because you can do it, so you should do it, so you're doing it. I get the sense that that's probably how Lindelof feels about this as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually said to him, I'm, I'm very touched. There are a million charities out there that you could have chosen to donate these items to. And I appreciate that you uh, repeatedly keep choosing cancer gets lost. And he said, of course. I mean, of course. That's his response. You know, he's, <laughs> he's just such a terrific guy. I, he I think he's choosing you because he knows that you're a nutso cuckoo lost fan. <laughs> 
listen, I met him because of my lost theory blog. This entire thing started because of that. So I think that, you know, to go from being literally Joe blogger to running a charity named after his show, I suppose it means something to him. It certainly means the world to me and to be able to be in touch and be friendly with people who inspired me in the first place is tremendous. And the fact that, you know, it wasn't just lost items. He gave me items from the leftovers, uh, signed, uh, you know, DVDs. And also there's a, if you watch the leftovers, you know, Patty, the lovely character, Patty, of course, there's a welcome doormat and it says, you're not welcome here. And this Patty holding up a sign as one of the guilty remnant. It's the best thing I've ever seen. And that's in the auction. That's great. Not to sidebar too much on the leftovers. And I certainly don't want to get into spoiler territory. Right. And I know that you don't either in terms of future stuff on the leftovers, but even anything from seasons one and season two, I don't really want to talk about in detail. We certainly have lots of leftovers coverage for anybody who's interested here on post show recaps. And we'll have that again when the new season starts up. But I am curious, you know, you said that Damon was headed for Australia uh, when, when you last saw him. He was about to do some more work with Leftovers Season 3. Did you get any sense of, you know, how he's feeling creatively right now? Does he look tired? Does he look <laughs> like he's excited? How, what was the vibe that you got from, from Damon as he's heading into what's going to be the final season of The Leftovers? I will say this, having known him casually for many years, he has never looked more relaxed than he has since he left Twitter and since he's working on one show. And I feel like he's creatively very, this is my interpretation. He seems creatively very satisfied with the leftovers. And I mean, as a fan, I, we didn't, we don't talk about the show because it's just sort of, you know, he's in the middle of it. So I'm not going to ask him about it, but I just, it's super, it's incredible to be in the presence of someone whose mind is whirling with the final season of an incredible show, you know, and while we're talking about his old show. Yeah. I love that show so much, and I think that it really shows that he is feeling pretty creatively free on it, um, is really getting to express his voice on the show without a lot of interference from pretty much anybody. This really <laughs> feels like unfiltered Lindelof, and maybe, I, I don't know, I know some people would probably say unfiltered Lindelof doesn't sound like the most appealing thing to them, but for me, when it comes to Leftovers, it's really, really worked, especially season two was so good. Uh, so good. That's cool to hear. That's cool to yeah. hear. And so speaking of the, the lost crew, you know, I have known Javier Grio Mark's watch for years. Um, I met him through lost charities actually. And there used to be an event called the lost weekend where they'd meet in LA for three days and some of the cast and crew would come and they do a little silent auction and then we'd all hang out and go bowling. So I've known Javi for years. And so last year he said, you know what? We're having a baby. I'm cleaning out the garage. And you know, he said, with my wife's permission, I'm giving you the following. And he, gave, he invited me to over to his house. It's so great. I mean, as a fan of this show and to be able to run Cancer Gets Lost, to be invited to people's, into people's homes, Jorge Garcia has a glass cabinet in his dining room full of items I've never seen before. Custom Hurley items. Awards like Emmys. It's just like... It's such a cool experience as a geek to, as a, in addition to being able to do Can't Get Lost, to talk about the items in their homes. So know? many people are so jealous of you <laughs> right now, by the way, myself included, and I get to do some cool stuff for work. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's, let's be honest. The bonus of running Can't Get Lost is that I meet and, and friends with these incredible people. But in the end, we all have the same exact goal, which is I'm doing this and signing this and giving this because we're going to raise so much money for kids with cancer. And so I don't want anyone to lose sight of it. Like the stories are fun, uh, but it's really, really, really about the end result. So I digress. But Um, it's also about nerding out a little bit, too. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Fair I enough. mean, 
I don't nerd out a lot in, in front of people, but I certainly sometimes go back to my room and I'm like, <laughs> no way, that was rad. All right, so, uh, so JGM invites you into his home. Yes, and he literally has a crate and he's like, all right, here is my script, my shooting script for all the best cowboys. I mean, he wrote all the best cowboys have daddy issues. He gives me his script. Then he gives me a stack of his note cards from the writer's room. I mean, they're numbered. And literally, I looked at the loss there. Number 23 note card happens to be like, it says, it's a hatch. And it talks about Boone and Locke discovering the hatch at the end of the episode. I mean, that's great. It's so cool. It's one of a kind. And he didn't have to do that. And he donated to CGL. And it's obviously, you know, it's in his past. And he's moved on to other shows. And he's rebooting Xena right now, which is, he's the perfect fit for that. Any word on how that's going? Uh, it's just going. That's all I know. <laughs> it's like ongoing. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know any of the logistics, but uh, he seems happy with it. And uh, I think that he's going to have both existing and new fans for sure. I mean, Javi's such a good guy and he's so creative and, and cerebral and interesting and funny. And so uh, for him to donate that script, and uh, he, he donated a, a lot of items, actually, including a season one iPod custom etched lost on the back. It is a gift from JJ Abrams and Damon Lindelof given to cast and crew only. Javi gave cancer gets lost his iPod. Wow. Is there anything cool on it? I have now here's, have you here's, scrolled through? Have you charged it up? Have you looked, looked at the playlist? Lots of Patsy Klein. <laughs> you would think I asked and they weren't sure if there's music on it and I didn't want it at all plug it in any of my devices because it's going to be someone's gift when they buy it in the auction. So with that in mind, I wanted to keep it pure. I don't think Javi's listened to it since 2005, um, but it's in the original box. And then Damon Carlton and Javi all signed the iPod on the back. It's an iPod nano on silver. It's etched and lost. It's so cool. It's just like one of a kind items like that are going to be make a lost nerd. So happy. And it feels like the start of like a Da Vinci code type of mystery (laughs) thriller that someone is going to get this iPod. Somebody is going to plug it in and there is going to be like secret data on there with all of like the, the mystery Bible that was behind the show and all of these questions that are going, that were not answered on the show that are going to be answered in this document. I'm waiting for that to happen. Whoever gets the iPod, I hope you have the skills of Elliot Alderson so that you can hack into this thing can you imagine like on there it starts going for 8 15 16 23 42 and then all of a sudden it's like well they tell you who shoots at the outrigger right <laughs> <laughs> it was walt in the future oh my god cute i i just i love you know that now someone's going to hopefully bid on and buy that just to listen to it i hope so i want them to it might be me listen i have no objection to that none <laughs> Although I'm I'm trying to save my pennies for that uh that we have to go back jacket. I mean, go, get in line A, uh B, thank you. Uh, you know, it's going to be It's not going to happen, but you know, in my in my heart of hearts that's what that's what I want. I don't know if I'm going to fit in that thing myself. Uh, right. so, so maybe it's not the best investment, but that that is the thing to me that I would nerd out about the most for sure. I think it's definitely, as a Lost fan, it's definitely up there. I mean, I had another uh, a Lost fan reach out to me and say, I custom built a, a mini Oceanic 815 model airplane. Would you like it? <laughs> yes. So he said it to me, and then Carlton signed the underbelly of the plane. It's just like, I just love stuff like that. Everything has a story. So are you taking late edition items or now that it's 815.16, everything is locked at this point? Everything's locked because of the meticulous details that go into loading the auction and the software and the template. And so that being said... So we're on lockdown right now. The blast door is down. 
the blast door is down. I have a secret map in my head. Okay. Um, and I actually just started a new tab for 2018. I already have 92 items for 2018. It is insane from a bunch of shows. Wow. So when is that going to – so it's 2018. <laughs> Do you have a specific date on when that auction is going to be? <laughs> I'm laughing right now. <laughs> I do not. Okay. That's way too far into the future right now. <laughs> Let me get through this one. But yeah. yes, backtrack. So today, 8, 15, 16, the official Cancer Gets Lost charity auction has opened online. You guys have three weeks to absorb and enjoy and peruse the items. You know, 150 of them are from Lost, tons from other shows. Here's what happens when the auction closes on Saturday, September 3rd. We pick this Saturday. So, you know, might be home, even though it's a holiday weekend. That's my dad's birthday. Well, happy birthday, Josh's dad. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. All the best wigglers have daddy issues. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but... It's yeah. okay. I'm the first to admit it. Okay, good. So Saturday, the September 3rd, um, I would say get your bidding strategies together because at starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time, the auction is going to close one item at a time. That is how it is designed. So whatever auction item number one is, and I believe I'm going numbers... And then alphabetical. So it starts with 10 Cloverfield Lane, then the 100, then it starts with A through Z. So item number one closes at 10. Item number two closes at about 10.01 or 10.02. It's, it's stunted. Every one to two minutes, auction items are closed. You will note on each entry when it, you'll see a countdown clock, so you'll know. But maybe start thinking strategically when you get into your bidding wars. And you know what? I encourage bidding wars because they're safe and they're for a cause. It's better than bidding peace. Um, <laughs> in this case. That's actually pretty good. I'll, I like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, have you seen fierce bidding wars in the Cancer Gets Lost auctions in the past? Um, fierce is a strong word. I would say um, surprising, yes, because we always think, oh, this feature item is going to make the most money for charity. But it's always something we don't expect. So that being said, I forgot to mention, we have pilot and the end scripts signed as well as the constant. Unbelievable. I mean, and so those I always think would like – the, the first auction, at the last minute, J.J. Abrams' office called and said, we have a pilot script for you signed by J.J. Abrams. Um, okay. That, you know, that, I'm a little busy. Don't know if I could feel the call from J.J. right now. That was literally two days before, so we, of course, got it in the auction. That went for $3,500, I think, and then that was in 2012. So this this pilot script is, isn't signed by J.J., but it's signed by Damon and Carlton and, like, five or six of the cast. So we have items like that, but I want to also assure people who are probably thinking, I can't afford anything in the Cancer Get Sauce auction. We have small items like signed photo of Evangeline Lilly, a trading card signed by um, Elizabeth Mitchell. We wanted to make sure to have a, a price point that's comfortable for everybody, uh, fans of all ages from all fandoms, because we know, you know that items add up. But I will tell you one thing that Cancer Gets Lost did this year, which is very unusual. Industry standard is that you not only pay you know, what you win the item for, let's say you win a poster for $100, you pay $100. Normally you pay an auction buyer's premium of 20%, then shipping. Cancer Sauce is covering buyer's premiums. So all you have to pay is the winning bid and the shipping. And so it's a substantial price saving. So we hope that encourages you to maybe bid on more or bid more on one item in the end. Yeah, and uh, just to, you know, once again, to reiterate two points. Um, one point is... It's not just lost items. So, like, if you're, if you don't want to just get a slew of stuff from lost, even though I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast and you wouldn't <laughs> want to get a slew of stuff from lost, there's tons of other shows involved. Can you just rattle off a few of the other shows that you have represented here? Any oh, cool wow. items that you have off the top of your head, like for Walking Dead, for instance? We have a season three special edition Blu ray Walking Dead with zombie heads and it's signed by 22 of the cast, which is 
unbelievable. And uh, we have Pop Funko signed by almost the entire cast that will be selling individually from The Walking Dead. We have tons of Pop Funko signed by the Arrow people. We have custom Funkos signed by the 100 cast and Comic-Con bags, photos, posters, jewelry. Uh, we have uh, a complete signed script from Arrow. We have a flash script signed by a lot of those casts, a big bang theory photo signed by the entire uh, principal cast of that show. I mean, you name it. We have Alcatraz, uh, Bad Robot gave us some props from the show that ended too soon that Jorge then signed. It's like, if you can name it from A to Z, we probably have it. The coolest thing ever, because this is a, a particularly charity that benefits kids with cancer, it was so cool that Sesame Street reached out and donated items for this because we have never had items for children specifically. So I met this lovely woman at ATX Television Festival who said, I work at the workshop. She sent me Big Bird feathers, authentic feathers from Big Bird's costume. She custom framed them. I mean, that's in my auction. It's the coolest thing ever. And then Sesame Street threw in a customized video message from Elmo, which is amazing. That's great. And Did they give you Oscar the Grouch because they were sick of Oscar? (laughs) They did not. But they also threw in a tour, a private tour of Jim Henson's workshop, which is unbelievable. That's really cool. That's very, very cool. Let me just take a moment to say that that is incredible. Uh, Having having interacted with Muppets in the past, uh, back during the the MTV days of Josh Wiggler, (laughs) I got the chance to interview Kermit the Frog and Walter from the Muppets. And to this day, that is by far and away the coolest professional experience I have ever had. Uh, I cannot cannot vouch enough for what it's like to see Muppets magic in person. Strong, strong endorsement for that being a very, very cool thing that you have in the auction. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited. I mean, just... The, the show variety we have from West Wing to Sons of Anarchy, you know, it's, it's, it's to Gotham to we have custom art even from films like um, the Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. We have Cloverfield Lane, a poster signed by J.J. Abrams and the entire cast and crew. I mean, Star Wars, Josh. Now, <laughs> our piece de resistance for yeah. this auction is a, you know, the first read-around script photo that J.J. Abrams released of J.J. and Brian Burke and the cast, the old and new cast, sitting around reading. Of course. Paul McHugh acquired for us that photo. He has taken it to Star Wars celebrations and events around the world, and it is signed by John Boyega. It is signed by Carrie Fisher, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, J.J. Abrams. It is unbelievable. Yeah, the very first photo from Star Wars The Force Awakens. Not from the actual movie, but from the first real top-level meeting of the movie. It's, it's It's so great. Even if you're a very casual Star Wars fan, we have a lot of really cool items like BB-8 art and pin sets from Disneyland. And we also, every auction I take on a pet project, for the last two years, I have been collecting the Force Awakens Pop Funkos. Now, you might think that's something easy, but there are exclusives from Walgreens to Barnes & Noble to FYE to Hot Topic to GameStop. I have collected all 50. We are, as far as I know, the only people that have a set of all 50 Force Awakens Funko Pops. They are being sold as one lot in this auction. That's cool. I mean, if you're a collector and you're a Star Wars collector, I feel like this is this is the auction for you. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, if you're a Lost person, we have more items from Lost, Walking Dead, 
the hundred and Star Wars than anything else. That's great. That's really cool. The other point that I really wanted to drive home uh, about cancer gets lost. You know, you had brought up that you want there to be to let it be known that there are items of all shapes, sizes, costs, uh, fandoms in this auction. But everything that is, you know, that is put into this money-wise, anything that you guys buy, like anything that anyone purchases or bids on or ultimately manages to win in this auction, all of that is going to charity. There is not a cent of it that's not going to charity, right? Well, the net proceeds. So basically, I have to pay my auction house for hosting. The, that's it, though. I sure, pay, yeah. At the end of it, I pay the, the auction house, and then the rest, the net proceeds, go to Alex's Lemonade Stand. So we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Alex's Lemonade Stand not only supports research for cures for childhood cancer. What I love about them is that they support the families traveling to get their children to the appointments. It supports the families because if you think about it, children you know, with cancer are, to me the ones that can help themselves the least. And so it's so important to have the support and to have a charitable organization that helps the people helping the children. That's one of the main reasons we chose Alex's. The other reason being that Alex is Benjamin Linus's child and that got you some access to some really cool stuff from, (laughs) uh, from the others collection. That is entirely unrelated, but I like the way you think you are my favorite. I would be very nervous to go to Ben's lemonade stand. I don't think I would go to Benjamin Linus's lemonade stand. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't think so. No proceeds going to Benjamin Linus's lemonade stand. Uh, zero. And uh, <laughs> and by the way, it's not just lost items. So Evangeline Lilly uh, donated an Ant Man poster signed by Evangeline Lilly. So it's like we have items for people who were on Lost and now have moved on to other properties. Very cool. So all of that is all available starting now until September 3rd, until my father's birthday. You will be able <laughs> to bid on all of this stuff. Where do people go? How do they do this? Where's the website? What are, what are they supposed to do now? First and foremost, the links to auction registration, if you'd like to bid, uh, are on our website as well as the actual auction link, cancergetslost.org. We'll have all of your information. There is a post on there about the logistics and questions and payment and shipping. All of it's on there, as well as Twitter, at cancergetslost. If you have any questions, tweet us at cancergetslost. You can email us, cancergetslost at gmail.com. It is, we make it as easy as possible for you to find us, reach out to us. If you, you know, if you could share the link with anyone in your life, whether it is social media, family, friends, email, talk about it. I mean, the word of mouth is what makes cancer get lost. And friends like you, Josh, who help us promote via podcasts and, and Twitter. And it's, it really, really makes a difference. And we want to raise as much money as possible for, for children with cancer through pop culture. And this is what we're trying to do. And it's just, you know, I want to thank everyone, every single person who even thinks about bidding in this auction, let alone people who donated items, signed items, donated money, are thinking about it, share it on your Facebook wall. Just know that we are very grateful. Yeah, and I mean, listen, it is 8, 15, 16 as you are listening to this, or maybe it's a couple of days after that. Uh, no better time than a day like today to do some good stuff in the universe in the name of Lost. I think that it's, it's, a, it's a really, you know, it's obviously very fun that you are launching this, uh, this auction on a day that is so closely associated with Lost. And when are we ever, we're never going to see the numbers in this, uh, in this way ever again. Uh, but I, I think it's also, it's just a great opportunity to do something, you know, there's, there's enough bad in the world today, uh, to do something cosmically good, I think is, it's a great occasion for it. And you're going to get some cool lost swag out of it as well. So I'm very pumped to hear it, Joe. I think that this is great stuff. I appreciate it. I mean, I'm so excited. It's just like, 
it is all I've been thinking about and working on for two years. And I'm already thinking ahead to the next one. And I'm already going to a con next month while this auction's on to start collecting for the next one because I will slow down a little bit, you know, (laughs) I I know this is what I I know you're spry, but you don't want to be too spry. (laughs) I mean, that's, the big secret is that, you know, I t- use vacation days for my actual job to go do this, to work on Cancer Gets Lost, to go to appointments, to get items signed, to go to cons around the country. This is what I want to do with my life, and so I'm doing it. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some other stuff as well, Joe. I know your life isn't all Cancer Gets Lost. It's not all lost either. You are deeply, deeply entrenched in several other shows, at least as a fan. Uh, I want to get your take on a couple of shows that have been popping this summer that I feel like just from following you on Twitter at Joe Opinionated that I can tell that you have been watching or you are at least familiar with. Have you so you've just recently started Stranger Things? I'm at episode five and I'm obsessed. I have no time, you guys, but I am obsessed. By the time this podcast comes out, I will be done. But Stranger Things is a melange of my childhood. It is John Carpenter, Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, Super 8, E.T., Close Encounters. It also reminds me, I swear I'm not making this up, of a prequel to Lost because there is a little Hurley in there. There is a kid who is a mix of Jorge Garcia and Hugo Hurley Rays. This show, it's implied horror. It's not actual horror. It is exciting and unique, amazing music terrific cast every single kid on this show it's like they've been acting their entire lives they're amazing it's really really great antonio mazzaro and i we did a podcast about stranger things that goes into the show in spoilery detail if you have watched stranger things and you haven't checked out that podcast it's up on postshowrecaps.com uh we won't get into spoilers for that show or any other show here suffice it to say i co-sign what joe is saying that show (laughs) real good really really good And it's only eight episodes, so you can totally binge it on a weekend. It's very easy to get through. Uh, How about Dead of Summer, which is, you know, not exactly uh, completely related to Lost, but it has a few key figures that are both from Lost and Dead of Summer. What's that show all about, and why would it appeal to a Lost fan, potentially? So it's the showrunners are Eddie Adam, um, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, who were not only executive producers and writers on Lost. They run Once Upon a Time. And it's it's a fun summer show. Again, it's more implied horror than actually horror because it is on Freeform, which is formerly ABC Family. So it's a Freeform show. It's it's just fun. It's And again, it's nostalgia for me. Talk about the 80s again, just like on Stranger Things. This takes place in the 80s. And I was a camp counselor, so I love this show. It's, it's filmed in Vancouver where they film all the other shows. So you recognize the lake. Um, but it's set at a camp. And Elizabeth Mitchell, my favorite, plays the head of the camp. And there's a mystery she's, involved. She's in, the camp director. She's the camp director. It's a, <laughs> and so it's so much fun to see Liz in a role where she's having fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, V and lost and, and her other in revolution. It, I mean, this well, one, she's, she's always playing very serious people. Uh, right. And often, you know, people you're not sure if you can trust or somebody right. who is under major, major world ending duress. <laughs> right. I wouldn't necessarily trust Deb, who she plays on Dead of Summer, but she at least gets to smile and have a little bit of fun. And so it's her and an ensemble cast of, of actors who are in their 20s playing um, camp counselors. And it's just it's, it's an ongoing mystery about this uh, camp where they're working. And I would just say, if you're looking for summer fun with a little bit of intrigue, that's exactly what it is. All right. Dead of Summer is on the list. Joe, did you check out at all? Did you look into Wrecked? Uh, Wrecked, the TBS parody of Lost. Is that anything that you've been able to put your eyes on? 
I'm very aware of Wrecked. I have not watched it. I have a, as you know, like Lost is my baby and it's special. It's the precious. And I just, I know it's a parody and it's not entirely based on that. And a lot of people enjoy it. Uh, it's just, uh, not only have I not had time, I'm not sure that I can separate it. I feel like it might be too soon. Yeah, I've been feeling the same way. Uh, I think Wrecked, by the time that this is out, it's already ended its first season. It's be- been renewed for a second season. It's a show that I haven't watched yet, but I plan on watching a little bit of at least as I prepare for perhaps a Lost Lives podcast about this show with somebody named Mike Bloom. So keep an ear out for that. That, that is another lost podcast that's going to be coming up in the future. Sounds good. I mean, so I was recently at Comic-Con and, and Jay and Jack, the original Jay and Jack lost podcasters had a panel and we actually, someone in the audience asked about wrecked and everyone had about the same response, which is I probably should watch it, but I haven't. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Right. <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be a little close to home. And, uh, but, I mean, I just hope it's funny. I mean, I have, I have no idea. I have no idea if it Me is. Either. If you guys have watched, you can let us know. Uh, what else are you watching this summer, Joe? Uh, Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about it's on. To me, it's on the. It's up there with the leftovers in terms of um, cerebral shows that you just sort of stick with you and you think about and you have theories about, but you don't have time to write about. At least for me, Um, I find it confounding and exciting, unique, uh, super deep, philosophical, so prescient with what's going on in the world that eerily so, you know, predictive in some scary ways. Yeah, totally. Like to me, it reminds me of a, a a highbrow version of Person of Interest, and you know they're obviously very different shows, but it's that same technology and the world, technology versus the world. And so I'm very, very into Mr. Robot. Yeah, really great show. Uh, we've obviously been covering that a ton here on Post Show Recaps between Antonio and myself. That's been a really, really fun podcast. Everybody who hasn't watched Mr. Robot ought to give it a shot. And I like to tell people that if you don't like the show after the first episode, don't bother. I think that you'll know uh, yep. with, within that first episode if the show is for you. And I would drill down even further, and I think that if the show isn't for you within that first scene, um, I don't know if Mr. Robot's going to be for you. But at least give the first episode a shot. NSFW even though it is on USA, it is surprisingly dark and tense. I would make sure that you are in a comfortable situation before you watch it. That's that's good advice. I think uh, so too. The only other show that I make time for right now is The Night of on HBO. Are you watching that? I am. I am watching The Night of. I'm behind on The Night of. I know a lot of people have been asking for a Night of coverage. Perhaps that has come by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> Perhaps it has not. And if it hasn't, I apologize. I mean, I, I like it because because it's everything I wanted True Detective season two and beyond to be. It's got, it has that retained that noir feel. Uh, it's a, it's filmed in a uh, grainy, darker way that reminds me of, of older seventies detective shows. Um, it's very mysterious. The way it's, uh, edited is, is quite clever. It's not like Lost with the flashbacks, but the way that they um, definitely show you what's happened in the past is unique and clever. Um, it's it's dark. It's intriguing. I have no idea if who done it. Like so, it's I think it's very very well done with a very small cast. And then the other show, obviously, that's huge in your life or was huge in your life this year, certainly, is The Hunge, The Hundred. <laughs> we have had you on here talking about that show. You and AJ Mass, another one of the co-founders of the Lost Lives podcast here on Post Show Recaps, is your co-host on the Dropship podcast that you guys were doing all throughout season three. How was your ride with The Hundred this year, Joe? How did that go for you? What were your ultimate takeaways leaving season three of that show? 
Again, overall, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Um, you know, it, it's no secret that there were some challenges in the hundred this year, both on the creative side and the fandom side. Um, AJ and I started the Dropship the Hundred podcast at the beginning of season three to, you know, analyze the show. And I would say it became sort of an accidental success. Um, I'm friendly with a lot of the cast because of the charity work that I do with them. And so uh, we would talk and then they'd be like, oh, do you podcast? Yeah. Okay. I'll come on. It was just sort of, again, so we wound up getting all of the writers and the cast uh, on the show. Oh, and we wound up interviewing Eliza Taylor, uh, Clark Griffin, which is terrific. At the very end, we had these amazing in-depth interviews with people like Lindsay Morgan and um, Devin Bostick and Chris Larkin and so on down the line. I got to talk to Adina Porter and Mike Beach, and it just it was a it was a terrific experience. We're not sure how it's going to continue. It's the dropship is not dead. It has not been blown up by Raven or Clark. Um, and if it's dead, it might be in the podcasting city of light. Ooh, nice one. I would say that we would probably do some interviews in season four, but we can't commit to analysis on a weekly basis, maybe every four episodes. Um, but it, only time will tell at this point. But what's, what a nice, one of the nicest things that came out of the dropship is not just the tremendous positive feedback from the fans, and overwhelmingly it was so, is that um, I was asked to then go to a new con called Unity Days 2017. It's in Vancouver in January, where the cast will be filming. And it's really a con about positivity and bringing the fandom together. They have committed, commit, sorry, let me rephrase this. Actors have committed to appear so far, like Lindsay Morgan, like Bob Morley, who plays Bellamy. Um, just a terrific group of actors. They've asked me to moderate all of the actor panels. So uh, people will be sick of me, but I'll be on stage the entire weekend moderating panels with all of the actors, which is a tremendous honor and one that I take very seriously, but I'm going to have a lot of fun with. That's going to be pretty awesome. So when is that? When is Unity Day? January 13th to the 15th, Unity Days. Uh, I believe you could just find them at Unity Days CA on Twitter and just Google it and you'll find them. You can't beat it. There's still some tickets available. It's going to be a nice small con. Um, there, it's just, they have a lot of really cool things planned that I can't tell you about yet. All right. Well, in addition to that and to bring it back to Lost and speaking of cons, Lost 2014 was a great, great event that I sorely wish I could have attended. <laughs> that was the 10 year anniversary of the series premiere of Lost where fans Fans from all over the world, all sorts of Lost fans, got to go out to Hawaii, to Oahu, and celebrate that anniversary together. I know that you are closely associated with that con. You are not the organizer or the person running the con, but I know that you are close to it. I know that the con also recently announced a rebranding. It is officially now called the Lost Con. Is that correct? That is correct. So Kelly, who's just this awesome human being. She's the one who's, you know, organized and, and oversees. She did Lost 2014. We're doing Lost 2017 next year on Oahu, and Kelly has rebranded. It's become the Lost Con with the idea that she's going to, like Walker Stalker Con on a smaller level, do Lost Cons hopefully all around the world, which is amazing because the cast and crew are all still very close, and if they have time between their schedules, they could probably appear. Um, for next year's event, you can go to, I believe it's lost2017.com or the Lost Con. You can follow them on Twitter. Uh, my involvement is the Cancer Gets Lost is the official charity of the Lost Con for all events moving forward, which is amazing. And dream come true, Josh, next year, October of 2017, Cancer Gets Lost is hosting an on-site auction in Dharmaville, 
inside the yellow houses. That's awesome. I have been. I did not get to go out to Oahu for Lost 2014, but I did get out there a few months later, uh, about half a year later, and I got to go to New Otherton. I got to go to the <laughs> barracks, and it's really, really cool. It's an old YMCA. Uh, they have There's a building in there that uh, just completely separate from the Dharma Initiative and completely separate from Lost has the Dharma logo in the middle of the building. It's very, very scary, very, very eerie, and very, very cool, and that is the perfect spot to do a Lost charity auction. That's really awesome. I mean, it's like, it is a dream come true as a Lost fan, and then to be able to take Cancer Gets Lost there is amazing. So, um, you know, I think the registration and tickets are starting to go on sale now, and it just it's a really cool event. It was only a couple hundred people last time. We had, uh, Jorge was there, and I got to moderate a panel with him, and I don't know what actors will be there, but probably whoever lives in Hawaii again. Um, but it's just a great time to reminisce about the show, talk about theories, see some beautiful landscape, because there's lost tours all around the island that you get to see the entire island, and not just lost filming locations. But I had- Oahu's overrated, <laughs> right? You know, it's okay. It's fine. I mean, it's pretty. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on, but I would say as a, if you're a fan right now, if you can take advantage of anything happening out in the ether, whether it's attending a con in your town, attending a con in a specific location where they filmed, uh, participating in an online charity auction with your favorite items, I'm telling you, there's an opportunity to meet people, meet your people and to, to get out and to expand your world and also, you know, make a dent in the world. And, you know, my focus in life is to channel fans toward the greater good. I feel like that can happen outside of cancer gets lost at these events. And I just would encourage people to, you know, maybe uh, reach outside their comfort zones and attend some events because it really is an enhanced experience. Well, one of the events that's coming up that we don't have to wait super, super long for, although at this point maybe very difficult to get into, is this Lost concert that's coming up in L.A. on September 22nd and September 23rd. It is Michael Giacchino. Uh, it is the score from Lost, I believe. Is he conducting the, the orchestra that is playing in L.A.? You have the details probably more sharply than I do. I yes indeed. Michael Giacchino is leading the the orchestra in the lost score and not only that so it's put on by a, a nonprofit called musicians at play and they support um you know education music education for children which is terrific uh he's working with the orchestra on lost in addition damon carlton josh holloway and a couple others have committed to um how can i say this host or narrate the evenings so depending on which night you go or if you're me and you're spoiled you go both nights um you're going to get some of the cast and crew on stage too so who knows what they have in store but i think it's going to be amazing now they are sold out but guess what josh i have a pair of tickets in my charity auction oh my god for the 22nd or the 23rd i believe friday the 23rd okay well let me put this out there your boy, Josh Wiggler, not Josh Holloway, will also be in attendance at this Lost concert in L.A. on September 23rd. So if you get tickets, we can hang out. That's all I'm trying to say. I mean, I'll be there, too. So we could totally do a, a high five, maybe a beer. It'd be great. Yeah, I'll bring my one surviving Dharma glass with me. I don't know <laughs> if that'll get past security, but I'll try. You can try. I can try. <laughs> so you can bid on those tickets and maybe we can go hang out at the Lost concert. I think that would be really fun. It's just, it's so cool that, you know, we always talked about how Giacchino's score was a character on Lost, that it really, really enhanced the show more than any show has since, in my opinion. And I, you know, then he went on to win Oscars for Pixar scores. And so to be able to be in an open air 
arena. It's not even arena, an open air of theater that, that with him right there conducting the lost score, I would say bring some tissues. I'm going to cry so much. So that's another <laughs> reason to want to go. If you've ever wanted to see me cry like an idiot, I am just going to be bawling like a baby. It's going to be, I'm going to be Charlie before he dove off the boat and swam down into the looking glass. I am going to be a wreck. I am going to be miserable. <laughs> I think that you will not be alone in that. I mean, I'll be like happy, miserable, you know, like I'll be miserable because I look so terrible, but I will be very happy because I am overcome with feelings. I think that I will be right there with you and we can share a box of Kleenex. All right. That sounds like a, that sounds like a plan to me. I like that. I am a fan of that. Uh, how else are you planning on celebrating eight fifteen sixteen? Not that you don't have enough going on today. Are you going to watch any episodes? Are you going to do anything like that? You know, for me... Or you're just going to be making sure that the site isn't broken. (laughs) Well, there's that. Uh, Not only that, it's like to watch people start to place bids. There are two points. I mean, seeing two years of work come to life uh, today is is spectacular, and I will be opening some champagne tonight. Let's not, you know, pretend we're not. Uh, It's amazing to see what people bid on, what they bid on first, you know, what kind of bids they put in like and then to sort of think about their strategy but of course then there's three weeks but i always like to watch the first few days and see what people are excited about and then for me it's okay now i gotta start the promotion so if um you know danielle Panabaker from the flash signed this script i'm gonna send her a tweet and say hey here's a link to that script you signed thank you so much and maybe she'll retweet it and so you know the promo machine starts where i want to make sure on twitter and facebook that people know about all the items now that there are official photos up there highlight them share them get people excited and then on that saturday that actually i'll start friday i will be staring at my computer because i love seeing what hits and what people are really really after it's just so exciting especially again knowing where the money gets to go is the best part of this whole process so you're working yeah it's a work day <laughs> it's i actually took a vacation day from work on 8 15 16 today to be able to enjoy it at home that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> You know, listen, it's dedication. I think that's great. Uh, hopefully a bunch of you guys are going to plan on checking out the Cancer Gets Lost uh, auction. You guys are going to maybe watch a lost episode or two. I certainly plan to do that. Uh, Joe, anything else you're working on? It feels like that's a pretty extensive list. It's a pretty extensive list. There are other things I'm working on that I can't talk about right now, but um, I'm a little overwhelmed, but in the best possible way. And I strongly, strongly believe in the the beautiful generosity of fans and actors and casts and crews alike. And I just want to reiterate how thankful I am to have friends like you and friends like you. I'm talking to you, Internet. Uh, and the royal you. The royal you. And you know, friends like you, Josh, who I've known for six years, who are still along for the ride and support this crazy journey we're on. And really, you know, channeling fandoms toward the greater good, nothing has given me more pleasure in life and I hope to be able to continue to do so the rest of my life. You seem really happy. You seem like you're in a good place right now. I'm very happy to hear it. And I know it's all for really, really good causes. So makes me very happy that you're as happy as you are. <laughs> uh, follow Joe on Twitter. She's at Joe Pinionated, like Opinionated with a J in front of it. She is always talking about TV and Lost and all sorts of other fun shenanigans. She's a great follow. So make sure you guys do that. Joe, anything else? I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude so i'll let you end it here all right so that'll be that joe thanks so much really appreciate you coming on and good luck with the auction thank you my friend all right 
Thanks again, Joe Garfine, for coming on here, talking Cancer Gets Lost. Really great cause. Hope you guys are excited about it. I think that there's some really cool options for you guys from the higher end to the lower end. And I'm not kidding. I will be at that Lost concert. So if you get those tickets, it would be really cool to see you there. Uh, let's shift from that. Let's get back into talking about Abby Turno, that is where we left off with Emily Fox and myself. We were going to pause down so that we could watch the episode. We have done that. Mission accomplished. Congratulations, Emily. Thank you so much. I feel really good about this. How do you feel? I feel excellent. Uh, all right. So we've watched Abby Turno. It is the Richard Alpert flashback episode of season six. Long-awaited episode. Definitely a intense episode to like hop in on as just a random episode of Lost, I think. It was a real throwback for me. Um, I'm really glad that you and I clinked a few glasses of wine before doing this and potentially during this episode because wine is a very serious theme in this. Even though it means we consumed evil or uh, malevolence, as it may be called. If it wasn't red wine, though, is it okay? Like, we picked rosé for dinner. We picked rosé for dinner. That's a really specific detail. We're also drinking red wine right now. No big deal. Just a few sips. Just a few sips. Uh, But it was definitely, you know, I thought that this was more of a standalone episode than, uh, you know, that's how I kind of described it going into this. It is a standalone episode in some ways. It's obviously the whole backstory with Richard is, you know, you don't need to have seen every single thing that's ever happened on Lost in order to enjoy it. But I think that it is obviously very steeped in mythology. There's everything going on with Jacob and the man in black. But even beyond that, some of the, you know, the framing of the episode with Jack and Hurley and Alana and all of that in the front and everything that happens in the back. We have to kill the man in black and everything like that. Definitely hard to hop into this one. Were you confused at all, Emily? Because it's been a while since you have watched Lost. I had that moment where I was like, who is that again? And that's really bad. I feel very bad about it. Which character? I looked at Jacob and I was like, that's... Jacob and you're like yes Emily god why did I ask you to do this and I'm like oh god I'm gonna embarrass him so bad so I just did um I said it exactly like that too no no you were much nicer about it you're like oh you you poor dear soul I didn't say that that didn't that wasn't said either you you technically don't really speak like a grandmother um you were like oh for Pete's sake no that's a grandmother move too actually Um, no, you were like, Emily, that's Jacob. You should probably know that. should probably know that, but that's why we're here. We're refreshing. We're catching things up. So I, I really thought it was Lee Norris, a.k.a. Minkus from Boy Meets World, because if we really wanted to talk about this, Jacob looks exactly like him if he buffed up a little bit. He looks like Minkus if Minkus grew up to become the almighty eternal protector of an almighty eternal island. This is Minkus's final fate. That's a pretty good final fate for Minkus. Hell yeah. I mean, he needed that. He needed that boost. Yeah, if he can't get to Panga, then at least he can get the island. Yeah, and, and we know the Torkelsons wasn't weren't doing him any favors either. So I don't even know what a Torkelson is, but let's not get into that. Let's shout not get, out Torkelson. Let's not get so <laughs> let's not get so sidetracked with shout outs to the Torkelsons. So to set up Abiturno for those of you who haven't watched it in a while, or maybe some of you guys paused down and watched the episode as well. Uh, there's so much going on in season six. Do you want a refresher, Emily? Will that be helpful for you? I think it would be, yes. All right, so basically the whole big deal with Richard Alpert specifically, obviously all along the way since we've met him in Lost, we first meet him back in season three in an episode called Not in Portland. It's the Juliet Burke flashback episode, the first time that you were seeing how Juliet was courted to come to the island and she's been recruited by the others and Ethan is there and Richard Alpert is there and all of this stuff. And it takes a little while for you to start realizing 
Uh, oh my God, every time we're seeing Richard Alpert, we're seeing him in all of these different flashback sequences. He is not aging at all. Nestor Carbonell, the actor who plays Richard Alpert, just looks so fabulous all of the time. It's literally like a Dick Clark moment. Yes, that is exactly what it is. It is a literal Dick Clark moment. Everyone knows it's a universal truth that Dick Clark never aged. All right, so Richard Alpert, like Dick Clark, does not age, and it's always a big mystery of why is that the case? Why is Richard always looking so fantastic? Why does he always look so young? How does he keep that you know chiseled jawline all the time when all he has to eat is pig in the jungle and all of this stuff? Uh, it turns out in this episode we are finding out the answer that he was made immortal. He you know asks Jacob if he can't be reunited with his long deceased wife then at the very least he would like to make it so that I can never die. I promise I will never die. And Jacob, for some reason, is able to grant that. Like, that is something that is not beyond Jacob's control. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I can do that. The other stuff that you want me to do, can't do any of that. But if you want to live forever, I've got that on lockdown. Well, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of mythology kind of tied to this from the Bible that I looked up. And not to say that uh, I know a thing or two about this particular story, but obviously he comes off as sort of like a fallen angel type where he makes a deal with the devil and um, it's just like a really, really bad call for him in a lot of ways. Like Jacob is the good guy and the smoke monster is clearly the devil and, you know, Richard is kind of like the pawn in the game, at least at this point in time. Yeah, I think that one of the things that struck me about this episode going back and rewatching it is, you know, the man in black, I remembered this much that, you know, Richard's going to crash on the island. He's going to be on the Black Rock. That is a huge mythological, you know, artifact on Lost. The Black Rock has been on the show since basically the beginning, introduced in season one. No one knew how it got there. There are some teases all along throughout the show of how the Black Rock, uh, who, who it belonged to, belongs to Magnus Hanzo, relative of Alvar Hanzo, who is basically only important in the Lost alternate reality games. You don't have to know any of that stuff. But they seeded it out for a little while there were a lot of people who were theorizing that richard albert and the black rock were going to be connected at some point this episode confirms that he shows up on the black rock black rock uh crashes into the four toed statue feel like that four toed statue was pretty weak already if a big wooden ship if that was all it took to destroy to obliterate the four toed statue uh that seems like a pretty weak statue to me I wonder what would have happened if it had five toes. Like, yeah, if it had like enough to just like really grip the ground and make sure it doesn't move at all. Yeah, I mean, come on. That, that's the point of evolution. Five toes would have probably done the trick, but it obliterates the statue. Richard is stranded in the jungle. He is on the ship. He cannot get off. He is dehydrated. He is hungry. He starts hallucinating. He starts seeing his dead wife, Isabella. Uh, he starts seeing her, and then the man in black shows up, and it's basically like, yeah, buddy, you are absolutely in hell. This place is terrible. This place is terrifying. I can help you out. You have to kill the devil. And then he goes into the jungle and is talking to Richard and is basically saying, yeah, this guy, he's got blonde hair. He wears a white tunic. You need to kill him with this dagger. He's totally the devil. And Richard Alpert's like, oh, so he's the black smoke. And then the man in black's like, no, I'm the black smoke. Uh, and then Richard's like, 
yeah, well, wait a minute. You just terrorized my ghost wife. You just murdered everybody on this ship. And now you're telling me to murder this other guy. And in my heart of hearts, I believe murder is a sin. So I don't know about this. And the man in black's basically like, hey, just trust me. Just go with me on this. I got this. Really, it just sounds like I'm printing a really aggressive receipt when I come and show up. <laughs> it feels, yeah, like I'm, you're in my cab right now. It's going to be fine. I feel like the man in black sales pitch in this episode, I didn't remember it being quite that weak. Uh, it just doesn't, it, it's hollow to me. It does not stay. It doesn't add up. And I also think that Richard should not be like being like, hey, you know what? I think murder is a sin so quickly after he just like unfaithful to dude so hard. Yeah, he basically just snow globed that guy. Straight up geared that guy straight into a table. Like, come on, man. So, I mean, Albert, he's, he says yes. He plays along. He goes to try and kill Jacob. Jacob is himself. Jacob, basically up until now, Jacob has been shown to be, you know, he's been talked about as this almighty force. Uh, we find out that he has the ability to bring people to the island just by touching them. He has been hyped up since mid-season three. Since Yeah, Minkus, Jacob Minkus. Yeah, we have Minkus has, you know, brought all these people to the island. He has done all of this stuff. And pretty much every time we have seen him, he has been benevolent. He has been all powerful. He has been a pretty cool dude, not a rude dude. And suddenly he, you know, he's getting almost assassinated by Richard Alpert. And so he like, he takes the claws out. He's ready to be bad cop here for a bit. This is the first time you really see Jacob, this all powerful character, really showing that he's got a, a darker side, a devilish side to himself perhaps even but it's also like a baptismal moment when he throws richard into the water and he's like are you dead now like do you feel this now stop i don't do this don't drown me but it's like such sort of like a biblical moment of him like putting him in the water pulling him out putting him in pulling it out yikes that is a very intense imagery but yes that is what is going on i mean it's a very that's what happens when you drink this wine (laughs) that's what happens in this episode i mean this episode is really biblical this is an episode where richard's faith or ricardo's faith as it were is really (laughs) put on the line i don't understand all of richard's various names i don't know how he gets from ricardo to richard is fine but there's also ricardus is in there as well so there's the last thing it's consistent it's all sort of ricard captain ricard (laughs) you're in france right now what would his uh french name be don't ask me you're the one who speaks french i believe it's richard (laughs) richard yeah richard albert uh but he Alper. but then as as you've mentioned wine is a big theme in this episode and we get to that really awesome moment of jacob explaining what the island is, and he uses the wine bottle as a metaphor, and this has sort of been, uh, at least for me, this is really the big reason why I do love this episode, is this is the best explanation for what the island is for my money. It is, uh, you know, he takes this bottle of wine, he says, imagine that this red stuff in the center of the wine is evil, it's malevolence, it's whatever you want to call it. You call it the devil, you call it hell, and this cork is this island that you're sitting on, and the only thing that keeps this stuff at bay is the cork is the island they never really tell you on the show what the island is you don't know if it's some sort of godly thing you don't have any sense of what the origin is they don't really ever 
or get into why there's some Egyptian nonsense here. What are all the hieroglyphics about? Any of that. They never really go down that rabbit hole. And I know that bothers a bunch of people. And I think it wasn't my favorite thing at the time that that went unexplained. But I feel like this sort of just idea of, yeah, this place is really, really powerful. And it houses some really bad mojo. You know, there's some really scary stuff here that if it were to be unleashed, it would be bad news bears for everybody. I just think that the way that they explain that was really, really cool. And I think that that aspect of the show really holds up. And also, I know that you can relate, Emily, because too much red wine in your system and malevolent things happen as well. I was just about to say in your experience with me and red wine, how are your feelings like in line with what this says? Emily is the best. I love Emily. Obviously, we are married. We are podcasting together. Everything is going great right now. Sometimes a thing happens when Emily imbibes too much with red wine, and red wine Emily emerges. And who is red wine Emily? She's somebody that cannot be tamed. She has no wits about about her. She has a lazy eye. and The laziest eye. She does whatever she wants. Yeah, and usually it's not great. She just, you know, has a little bit too much confidence. Too much confidence, no filter. She goes full Fox. She says what's on her mind, even if it is not the polite thing to say. So you know what it would be like to be smoke-monstered and to let that out in the world full-time would be bad news. Which is why I would unshackle somebody and try to get them to help me. That is, <laughs> I don't know if you would have your wits no, about you to like, do it. No, man, it's cool. It's cool. Just do like this one thing for me and, and everyone, like the whole rest of the world would be like, quiet, Emily, you're drunk. <laughs> quiet, Emily, settle down, smoke monster. Yeah, you're drunk. Emily you're becomes drunk. Emily becomes the smoke monster is yeah. basically what we're saying. That's actually a really good comment. You can't, a lot of you can't shapeshift, though. That doesn't happen. And unfortunately, you do not look like Terry O'Quinn when you were at the height of your powers. That is unfortunate. I also don't make those weird receipt noises from a cab. Usually, you do not. It's a really good impression. That's pretty That's pretty spot on. Yeah, you guys know what I'm doing. You know what she's doing right now. But all of that stuff is really cool. I mean, this is a real mythology builder of an episode. It's a big payoff for people who really wanted to see what was up with Richard Alpert. What do you think of Nestor Carbonell in this episode? Episode. I mean, he has the Spanish accent when we were seeing him in flashback mode. He's got his Daniel Day-Lewis on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Give that man an Oscar. Give him an Oscar. Put it in his left toe. Beautiful flowing, flowing line. Put it on his left foot. What did you think? What do you think? What do you think of Richard Alpert in this episode? I mean, he's fantastic. He um, is pretty seamless in his character, I think. And he plays it really well. There's a lot of chemistry between him and his wife because I hadn't seen this episode in how many years. And I like teared up a few times when like they were, you know, obviously she was passing away and, and then he thought he saw her again with Hurley. It was really emotional for me. And I didn't expect that because, you know, when you're far enough away from something and you know, you liked it, but you don't, don't necessarily look at it in like a revered way that a lot of people do. You don't necessarily expect to fall back into those sort of feelings as quickly as I did, I guess. So, well, you had said before we started the podcast that you were you were good with Richard Alpert. You weren't great with Richard Alpert. You didn't know exactly how you felt. You blamed this possibly on the fact that he shares the same name as your mom's ex-husband. But having seen this, you also said that you are a sucker for the characters who like have you know big sweeping romantic stories. Yeah, That's yeah. really what won you over. And this doesn't fail in that regard. Um, I also think his eyelashes are really amazing. And as somebody who loves eyelashes themselves, the way that I I do. I Emily has very thick eyelashes is what she's saying. Oh, you're just being nice to me. It's the truth. No, it's just a physical observation. Yeah, I mean, they are kind of freaking. They're very full. Yeah. Um, 
we wa- we were in a hotel a few months ago and a woman came in to do room service and didn't realize we were there and she was like oh, are are those real and that's all you heard right around the corner and i was just standing there and i was like yeah they are and like anyone else who heard that would be like what is she talking about? And Josh was like, she's talking about your eyelashes, wasn't she? Emily has Richard Alper eyelashes, which is making me question some things right now. Why? No, that's all good stuff. It's all about that red wine, baby. Love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move far away from that. You know what else I enjoy is the awkwardness of, I mean, it's obviously a very touching scene when Richard and Isabella finally reunite at the end of this episode or right before we have that moment where the man in black smashes the wine that whole scene um and you know richard is reconnecting with his wife who is deceased for the first time and hurley is kind of the medium and he's essentially playing Whoopi goldberg in ghost thank you i was about to bring that up i was gonna be like oh all they needed was a penny on the wall just to prove it yeah or you know some unchained melody could have come in i feel like that would be a good edit if anyone wants to go and re-edit that scene to unchained melody automated brown Autumn A. Brown, uh, some Henry VIII I Am would have been pretty good. You in danger, girl. You in danger, girl. Yeah, some pottery would be nice right about now. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Soho Loft from the 80s. One of the cool things about season six is Hurley's ability to to talk to the dead. And I mean, that's been something that's developing since I think like season four, maybe season five. Um, I didn't, I never really quite connected how it would be possible that Isabella would be there on the island. Even when Richard goes to Jacob and says, uh, you know, my wife was here and I don't know where she is. And Jacob's like, yeah, that wasn't your wife. My, my instinct on that was that the smoke monster who we know can shape shift obviously ends up shape shifting into John Locke uh, as his final form has shape shifted into a bunch of characters along the way since then. Uh, I had kind of thought that, you know, Isabella was just another form of the smoke monster trying to trick Richard in that moment. I think that that's right. I still think that that's what's going on because you can't have Hurley talking to ghosts on the island unless that body is on the island. And I don't think that the smoke monster can shapeshift into anybody that isn't dead on the island as well. I think that those are the rules. Rules are a little bit cloudy, but I'm pretty sure that that's what's going on. But this episode, I felt like I had the epiphany that it, you know, so much time passed. Richard Alpert is very, very old. There are so many ways that they could have brought Isabella's bones to the island. They could have brought the body there at some point in between years. So I don't know. I mean, that was always like a logistic hang up for me. I'm less hung up on that logistic today. I know that you do not care about that at all, Emily Fox. I'm just thinking about the guy from the like trains part of Ghost now. <laughs> that's, that's literally the scariest thing ever. And I was trying to think of like, has Hurley ever encountered anybody else in his like <laughs> his situation? Like trains? Oh, God. Off the rails. Off the rails right now. Yeah, that guy would have been great. Uh, I believe that the actor is passed away at this point, but that would have been great to see him on the island you at some point. There. You never know. You never know. Um, what else from this episode would you like to talk about emily um let's talk about richard alpert's giggle at the beginning of the episode richard alpert's giggle at the beginning of the episode yeah, where they're like well richard's supposed to know what to do like alana's like richard knows and he goes ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah i feel like antonio would really like that antonio mazzaro has a thing for He's the awkward giggle no he likes it when characters let out like noises that you can't tell if someone is happy or sad or angry or some mixture of emotions but that's neither here nor there you mentioned uh alana earlier uh 
Alana is one of my least favorite characters on Lost because, you know, no no disrespect to the actor who plays Alana. That's just a character who never really comes fully formed to me. I forgot that the beginning of this episode doesn't even open with yeah. Richard. It opens with Jacob visiting Alana and healing Alana and saying, you have to go to the island. Some bad stuff is about to happen. You have to go get Richard. Richard will know what to do. And that kind of launches us into Richard's downward spiral because Jacob is dead. The man in black is in power. Everything that he has believed for the past 200 years or so is now called into question. And Alana is sort of the first character you see. Emily, you didn't even remember what an Alana is. Well, to be fair, she had a bandage around her face. So I was like, wait a second. But even when she was unbandaged, did you have any idea who that character is? She's just very two-dimensional in this situation. Well, I think what sucks is that, like, Alana is built up to be this important character. And she's named a series regular here in season six. And she comes out of her shell in season five as somebody who is clearly working on behalf of Jacob and has all this potential knowledge at her disposal. And Jacob clearly brought her to the island for a reason, had a purpose. She had a part to play in the wars to come i think that she was an unpopular character i don't think that i don't even think that she was an unpopular character she was an unpopular character she was not somebody that really popped for people but she was being painted in a in a light that you know made her very important had her have a pivotal role to play and then suddenly in i think it's the very next episode or an episode after that my you know my memory's a little bit fuzzy on that she just blows up you know she gets arsed you know the same thing that happens to dr arst in season one where he goes to the Black Rock and accidentally dynamites himself into extinction. That's essentially what happens to Alana next. So what's the whole reason that she's been brought to the island? There's really no clear purpose. So She's really just such an unfortunate waste of a character. And seeing her in this first scene of this episode really did grind my gears and get me thinking and like why did they do that with alana if they were going to build her up to be important at least you know if she's going to die have her die fighting the smoke monster don't have her die just blowing up but i don't know i mean that's not even in this episode but i saw that scene i was just like oh god i hate that stuff that stuff sucks i mean it really crystallized a bigger thing for me in a lot of ways whereas like i already mentioned to you that i had a whole bunch of top characters that i really care about they're all men a lot of the female characters just don't do it for me the same way. And that's not me being like, oh my gosh, like, no, like this, this person's way better than this. Da, 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 da. I think a lot of the female characters have potential, but they never really kind of crystallize in a way that like makes sense for me. I don't think that that's an unpopular opinion. I think that, you know, yeah. like, I, I, I mean, I think that like, I love Penny. Like I, I think that she had a lot to offer, but at the same time, she was very one note where she's like, I have to find Desmond. Don't disrespect Penny right now. I swear to God. I'm not trying to believe me. She's amazing. She's awesome. Poor Claire. All she was ever doing was worrying about that baby. Like, you know, there's a lot more that these people could have done. Like Kate's just like running around, like doing crazy stuff. Like it's never really like, I don't know, in depth the way that I want it to be, the way that I feel the male characters sometimes tend to be. Yeah, no, I think that the No, I think so. I think that the male characters are more, you know, vividly drawn. I think that they are more colorful characters for the most part. I think that there are lots of great women characters on Lost as well, but I do think that especially with someone like Alana and you've made the case with Kate earlier, I think that, you know, sometimes they suffer in comparison to people who are more blockbuster characters like Sawyer or Desmond or Hurley. And even like 
like with Juliet, like she's just like really awesome, but like you only watch her just be like, oh no, I like you, Jack. And you're like, no. <laughs> no, I love Juliet. I think Juliet's really cool. No, she is, but you know, that's, that's all I'm saying. Anything else from this episode that you want to touch on before we close out? I just want to like touch Richard Albert's locks before he cuts them. You like the hair. It's, it's great. It's just everything you want it to be and more. It's a really good look for him. So, I mean, listen, what you're going to get from these recaps, these random episode recaps, is just talking about some of the points that happen in the episode. No super deep dive analysis or anything like that. Probably a bunch of ghost references. Maybe the occasional Minkus call out. TGIF. Oh, I would love to do, like, a Family Matters comparison. That would be really good. I don't know where you would even begin, but you have some time to think about that. So There's definitely an Urkel reference somewhere there. I don't know where the Oracle reference is, but it probably is in there somewhere. Anyway, if you guys watched Ab Eterno and you want to talk about it next week on the podcast, you can send us some questions. PostShowRecaps.com slash feedback is the easiest way to do that. Or you can tweet us. You can tweet us. We would love to see your tweets. I'm at Round Howard. Emily is at Emilet, like an omelet with an E instead of an O. Especially in French. Why especially in French? Because when you spell omelet in English, sometimes there's not a T and an E at the end of it. Okay, I guess that makes sense. So it's E-M-E-L-E-T-T-E. All right, that's very good for everybody to know. (laughs) If we're going to do a hashtag here, I'm trying to think of what would be a good hashtag. You were on fire tonight. You were not quite Red Wine Emily, but I feel like hashtag Red Wine Emily would be fun. On Fuego. In Fuego. Uh, or in honor of Minkus, we could also do hashtag Boy Meets Lost. Or, I don't know, Chucky Lee Torkelson. Stop it with the Torkelsons. What is the Torkelsons, by the way? I really don't know what it is. It was a really good show. It was on, I think, the Disney Channel because it was the only channel I was allowed to watch when I was little. And then it, it sort of morphed into like this sort of like half other TV show where Brittany... Others? No, Brittany Murphy. The others were on it? Brittany Murphy was in it. Is she one of the others? She, no. And also Jason Marsden, if you remember him as... James Marsden? No, Jason. Cyclops? <laughs> no, Jason Marsden. Nelson from Full House. It's a big deal. Look it up. Okay, I will look it. You should know this human eye. I don't know what the Torkelsons is. It's kind of embarrassing for you, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the Torkelsons is. Listen, if the Torkelsons spent no time on the Lost Island, I have no idea what a Torkelson is. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. All right, thank you, Emily. Very fun. We will spin the frozen donkey wheel again next week and pick another random episode of Lost. Hope we filled some questions from you guys. If you have Abiturno questions or anything you want to send us, send us and we will talk about it on the show. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, Emily. But before I say bonsoir to all of you guys, I want to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what is ahead on Lost Lives for the next few weeks while this thing still exists. So we are going to do random episode recaps with Emily. That's going to be very fun. We are going to have guests on every week, just like Joe was on here talking about Cancer Gets Lost. We'll be talking about different topics. But we will also be doing something else. We're going to explore a topic that came up a lot on the original Lost Lives podcasts. And to give you a little bit of a clue of what that is going to look like, just in, you know, standard Lost form, we're going to keep it a little mysterious for now. But let's bring in a very special guest who you're going to hear a lot more of on next week's podcast to sort of set the table for one of the weirder, I think, interesting, I think, fun things that we are going to be doing as we dig back into Lost Lives. Take a listen right now. Hope you enjoy this. Hi, it's Antonio Mazzaro, and this is the first scene of Lost 2. We open on an eye because, of course, we open on an eye. But this eye isn't opening. This eye is being examined. 
It's not 100% clear whose eye this is, but this person is in a medical chair, and that medical chair is in a weird, dingy medical room that, to fans of Lost, will be quickly apparent, is the staff, the room where Ethan Rom played creepy doctor games with Claire in the early days of Lost. And sure enough, Ethan Rom is there. He's the one doing the examining. And in that way that only William Maypother, a.k.a. William Mapother, a.k.a. Tom Cruise's cousin, a.k.a. Ethan Rom can do, he's talking in a way that is on the surface friendly, but just beneath the surface terrifying. And he's talking about performing a lot of tests on whoever's in the chair. And he's talking about how the results are inconclusive. He's talking about how there's a lot of debate about you, but one thing is for sure, you are special. Then he says, it may be tomorrow, it may be in a year, it may be in 10 years, but one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize how special you are. Things will have changed. And just as he says this, we are on another eye opening, waking up. It's the eye of adult Walt. Adult Walt is in a bed, living by himself. There's a dog there. It's not Vincent, R.I.P. Vincent. But he is in a bed by himself. No one else is around. And we gradually see him going about his day. Was that a memory? Was that a dream? Is that something that's going to fade from his reality as he slips into consciousness? We don't know. He seems to be not terribly affected by it. This is probably not the first time that's happened. And as he's going about his day, we see him doing things like uh, dishes, eating, turning a TV on, maybe playing video games. At some point, he gets a phone call, and we don't hear both sides of the conversation. We only hear his side. But what he's saying makes it clear that he's got responsibility for something, and he's taking care of it. Yes, I've, I've done that. We're, we're on top of it. I'm taking care of it. And that's it. At some point during this montage of Walt's day, he drifts off to sleep. He's awoken by a crashing sound. Not a car crash or anything like that, but the sound of something hitting, maybe outside his house. By now, night has fallen. Walt is a little concerned. He rouses the dog. They go outside. We don't see immediately where Walt lives. We see instead that it's not the city, some kind of grass outside. He's walking around the side of his little house, and he gets to a window, and underneath the window, there's a dead bird. Was this what made the crashing sound? Walt is very rattled. He's very concerned. And as he's looking around to see if someone threw this, was this what it was? Was there something else? The camera's slowly panning back, and we see that Walt lives in the barracks, the previously thought to be abandoned home of the others from Lost. Walt lives on the island. And as the camera pans back into the darkness and we see more of the barracks surrounding it, we gradually transition from that darkness into the darkness of the lost title card. Lost. And that's it. That's it? That's it? What even was that? All right, I know what that was, and you will know what that was as well when we talk to Antonio Mazzaro next week on Lost Lives Reborn Part 
duh, we're going to talk to Antonio about what he just recorded, what that means. We're going to dig into the topic of, yes, Lost 2, one of my favorite things to talk about here on Lost Lives. We'll also talk about Dharma beer. We'll talk about McCutcheon. Maybe we'll talk red wine. I don't know what red wine Antonio looks like, but that might be an interesting character. Of course, Emily and I will be back to recap another episode of Lost as well. Subscribe to what we're doing here at PostureRecaps.com slash Lost iTunes, and you can listen to all of the old Lost Lives podcasts by subscribing and digging through the archives. We would love it if you would leave us your reviews, your ratings, all of that good stuff. That's it for this week, though. We will see you in another podcast, brothers.